All right, this is the fourth Dungeons and Dragons therapy session, as demonstrated by the masters of using Dungeons and Dragons in therapy, Adam Johns, Adam Davis from Game to Grow, a nonprofit of which I am on the board that promotes the use of games in therapeutic and educational and parenting goals. And uh, so as a way of demonstrating how Dungeons & Dragons can be used in therapy, we're having our fourth installment. Because it's one thing to learn about Dungeons & Dragons by demonstrating it for 15 minutes. It's another thing to demonstrate it over four different sessions, several hours each. And you really get a sense, I hope, listening to this, about how players say if they had social skills issues or self-esteem issues or maturity issues or anxiety issues uh, that or identity issues that after four sessions each character that each of us are playing are quite fleshed out and the relationships between each player start to get fleshed out uh so i hope that's what you're listening for when you do this so uh welcome to the podcast out there this is the psychology in seattle podcast i'm your host dr kirk honda I'm a therapist, a professor, and I'm a mountain dwarf of 60 years old, lawful good, and I am, my name is Thrain, and I'm a, mm-hmm. I'm a priest. What are, who are you, Bruno? My name is Humberto Castaneda, and I play Rolo the Cruel. I'm a half-orc, beastly thing with impulsive impulses, but very good friend of Thrain. Um, I'm Adam Davis. I'm one of the executive directors of Game to Grow, and I'm also playing Shush, a tiefling bard who just wants to make friends. <laughs> so sweet. Uh, I'm Adam Johns. I'm the other executive director of Game to Grow, uh, and I am acting as the dungeon master and game master of this campaign. Um, I, uh, Kirk, I really like that you said... Uh, specifically about the the relationships. I'm actually going to pose a a challenge and a question to the listeners. Um, uh, Adam and I are relatively new to the Psychology in Seattle podcast, uh, but the long-term listeners who've been listening to uh, uh, Kirk, you, and and Umberto all all together for for a really long time uh, have gotten to know you as as your personalities have come through uh, the podcast. And one of the things that we really look at in our groups is how characters and players relate to each other. Mm. Um, so the kind of character you play is always a meaningful part of of uh, how you relate to the game, and it's a meaningful part of what's going on. So the question that I would pose to the listeners are, um, are there things in, uh, in Grolo's history or in Grolo's personality that make a lot of sense from what you know of Umberto? And are there mm. things in Thrain's history or in Thrain's personality that make a lot of sense in one way or another to Kirk's uh, personality and, and what you know about him. Um, are we asking for ourselves? Are we answering for ourselves right now? I mean, you, you should you should think about it for your for yourselves. If you if you have like an interesting thought on it, you you should definitely chime in. Yeah, I mean, I think about it all the time. I've been playing Dungeons and Dragons since I was since 1980 or 81 or something, and there's definite patterns of the kind of characters that I prefer to play because you know. You can play a lots of different characters, and I have over the years. But I tend to be grad—I tend to gravitate towards certain characters. However, in the beginning, when I was in the sixth grade, I played very different characters. Yeah. Uh, interesting, it was also a dwarf, but I think he was like a fighter, if I'm not mistaken, but or maybe a thief. But my point is, is that that character when I was in the sixth grade, 
I made the to be the most powerful character I could make, and I would play with my friends, and we would sort of like, okay, so you know, let let's get to something where I can get a lot of experience points, <laughs> and then I would get a lot of experience points, and I would say, you know. Uh, let's get to something where I can get a lot of money because I can because then I'm going to buy things because you know the dungeon master guide had these like money equivalents of all the different magical items and, and artifacts and I was just like I didn't read because I was not about reading I was just like well I, so I just buy artifacts and you know and you before long max out <laughs> you just get all yeah of them. and before long I was just DMing myself like I was <laughs> I wasn't even playing with other people and I proceeded to kill. Every god in the deities and demigods book, oh my I, god. and I had I had boots of flying, and I had you know a plus five vul- vorpal sword that like Elric had from the deities and demigods, and I was like <laughs> one shot head off, one shot head off, and oh, oh my god, oh I rolled a one, I'll re-roll it, you know, and, ah! <laughs> and so that's what I needed at the time, you know yeah. that that was my <laughs> developmental phase. Um, heading on into my forties. I tend to play way more support characters, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, highly moral characters. Like I've always, fa- I've always liked to play moral characters, but the older I get, like I want to play the goodliest of good characters. <laughs> like there's just something about <laughs> wanting to be helpful, you know. It's like the developmental stages of life. They often talk about this, where you know you in- you enter that generative. Uh, trying to benefit society and other people po- portion of your life. You're, you're less focused on your career. You're less focused on um, your own needs because you presumably have sort of figured out how to meet your needs. And so, uh, but it's all, it's not just support. It's also, I like uh, characters that cast spells because I fancy myself a smart person. So sure. I, I want, like every once in a while, I want, I'll like say, okay, I'm going to play a character like Grolo, like Umberto's <laughs> playing. Like, I just want to play at a barbarian, just like no frills, and I'm just going to run into battle. And instantly, I start trying to work my skills to like help other <laughs> help other people. You know, I, I just can't play that kind of like uh, I don't want to say selfish, but self centered kind of character. Sure. Uh, and you know, you have to agree that you know that's. Like I tend, I'm not just role playing a character who likes to be helpful. Like I, it, it's pretty clear, I get off. I get a little jolly from like, <laughs> trying to help. In, you know, these town people NPCs that really right. mean nothing. You yeah. know what I mean? But but it's definitely it feels like that's a satisfaction right. that I'm looking for in life that I'm trying to get through the game. What I, about you, Bern? That makes sense. Um, yeah. So for me. In not only uh, role-playing paper uh, times, but also in uh, video games that are like RPGs, like Diablo, these kind of things, I tend to pick barbarians, like the dumbest, (laughs) broodiest barbarians. And I think it's a combination of things. On the one hand, I actually really got boggled by... The complexity of like trying to max out a character with all the little details. So there was a simplifying, when I was younger, there was a simplifying part to be like, you know what? Just give me a big axe and like, let me level up that way, right? So that was part of it. But the other part too is sort of as a counter to what Kirk is saying is a lot of the things that I enjoy in life and I do are sort of quote unquote brainy things. Um, And it is kind of nice to like play. A, a simpler version of myself like 
I don't care. I'm not going to think these things through. I just run into battle and swing, you know. And, and that's kind of liberating in a way. Yeah. Uh, and then the other thing that I try to do uh, is inject humor. Like, that was always a component for me. Um, and, you know, if you know me, that's sort of my personality too, right? And it's a particular kind of humor. Right. Like, Shush is also humorous, but you're humorous in a way that is self-deprecating. Right. Grolo is, is a little, you know, slow on the uptake. And, which <laughs> you do in social situations, right. which you've talked about in the podcast before. Right, right. You don't mind being the butt of the joke. Right. The butt monkey is... The butt Grolo. And so... Uh, you're interweaving that with your right. character, yeah. And so that that does uh, have a lot of similarities to to other times that I've done that. Yeah. Do you think, just as you know, uh, this is me being a therapist, but <laughs> that you have a unmet desire to not have to think and sort of impulsively just yes burst into a room and yes. act out your id. Yes. Yeah, because yes. girl is a lot of id. Yeah. You know? Well, you could, and you could, so you want to get psychology. Like, what is this, a psychology <laughs> podcast? Um, but, you know, when, when I was a kid and situations were happening with my mom leaving and the divorce and all these things, uh, the overwhelming feeling, and we've talked about this before, that I had was, why? Why is this happening? Who's got answers, right? And so this kind of feeling of like, well, screw this. I'm going to fix everything, right? I'm just going to like, and, and just kind of like, let me into the room. Give me my axe. I'm going to fix this, right? That, that kind of thing. I, I don't want reasons. I don't want to think about it. Just want brute force to fix what's wrong. Well, and another layer to this, not to make it even more uncomfortable for, <laughs> for everybody concerned, but um, your backstory of your character involves broken family and right, mismatched right. parents. Right, and my background is like all good, right? Because you know, like, uh, I come from pretty right. stable childhood. Right. Like, like I probably have the most, and I've always had this really boring backstories because everyone always goes. It's sort of a trope to go with, like I don't know my dad. You know, yeah. it's sort of it makes for an interesting story, but right. I have a hard time doing that because it. I, I maybe I've never thought about this, but I it feels like I might be disloyal to my own parents for even role-playing uh, having bad parents. Do you know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> so I guess it would be a, a, a harder role-playing departure for me to play, you know, a uh, very centered... My character. Balanced character, <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I mean, I think that's perfect. Like, the, the reflection piece, actually, is, is one of the most important parts of this, which is um, I don't necessarily need to have, like, uh, a determination or, or uh, an important input into how you relate to your character right. it's more your opportunity to reflect on how do those things matter um and there's so much depth there like like you were saying there's there's a lot of there's a lot of layers to this um right. and a lot of opportunity where i pull things into my character that i never realized that i yeah w was was something that that was from my real life do you do this with your clients with the kids um, uh, sometimes it depends on the on the clients and kind of where they're at in their in their process. Because it's a time. pretty high minded question, a pretty self reflective, vulnerable yeah. question, um, insight question to ask them. We do check in questions at the start of every uh, session with our kids, and and uh, at the end of each quarter, uh, one of the check in questions that we ask is, "What advice would you give your character?" And then, what advice would your character give you? Mm. Um, and that's a real opportunity to think about uh, where does your character struggle, and where yeah. can you, where do you have positivity that you can give to your character, and vice versa? Where do you struggle, and your character takes on strengths or positivity? That they what kind of things do you hear? I'm curious. 
all sorts of stuff. Some of it's um, uh, really reflective to the to the um, player's challenge, um, which will sometimes be like, um, I think uh, for an impulsive player, they might say, well, I think my character would tell me to slow down a little bit and maybe take a little bit more time to think things through before I jump in, uh, which are which is great advice and great recognition of the challenges that they have around impulse. Um, but then we'll, we'll hear um, uh, sometimes goofier answers to some of the questions if if the players are really not at a place where they're they're at they're ready to to reflect on that in a deeper way, uh, where which we try to discourage this, but like um, uh, advice of of like you should learn how to cast magic spells. <laughs> their, <laughs> their character tells them, uh, which is, I guess, good advice, but um, not super useful. <laughs> that's, that's actually why we started changing the check-in question from what advice would your character give you to what lesson could you learn from your character? Oh, yeah. Because sometimes, sometimes people play characters kind of like Grolo, which is almost like certainly it's cathartic. But you don't necessarily want to be more like Grolo sometimes without a lot of caveats. Like, Grolo's unapologetic. Right, right. And maybe that's something that's good sometimes. But also, like, the lesson wouldn't be, go run and hit things harder with... Well, I, know, I, I, I think I know what Grolo would tell me, though. What would he tell you? He'd be like, don't be so lazy in the mornings. Get up! You know, because, like, Grolo is many things, but... I anticipate he wakes up pretty early and is is banging some tree or training or doing something. He's know. very disciplined. Very disciplined. Yeah. Yeah. So Grolo might yeah. give you some advice about yes, this, which yes. might we might have to like break that down yeah, into yeah. the good advice underneath right. it, or, or re- reframe that yeah. into, right. into the, the so maybe not view. not like go hit the tree till your knuckles are bleeding, but you know, <laughs> right. <laughs> Sometimes characters though are cautionary tales. Like we can learn, you can learn a lesson. We'd always tell the players this too. You can learn a lesson from the boy who cried wolf. Or the three little pigs. Like, you learn from the pigs who get eaten as much as you learn from the pig who doesn't get eaten. And you, sometimes characters can make mistakes, and you can learn from those mistakes, too. Right. I should not have run in there and hit that guy without planning. Mm-hmm. That is a, a cautionary tale that sometimes right, is right, right. a useful takeaway also. Yeah, it is really interesting to think about that because even as – you know, I'm not going to answer it because I don't think I have one. But to think about, like, what my character would tell me, you know what I mean? Because obviously my character is me. Mm-hmm. It's just an aspect of my – but what about what about you, Adam? What what about Shush and you? What so it's relation? funny because I Shush is a bard who's a performer, and I spent nearly a decade of my life as an actor. So there's lots of overlap between uh, right. me as a performer and Shush as an aspiring performer. So I was an actor for like eight years or so before I went into study drama therapy, and um, I always wanted to like get discovered. Mm, I always wanted somebody to like be in the audience and then go, I'm going to fly you to New York (laughs) and you're going to audition for Broadway. I've always wanted, but I never actually like went to those auditions. I hate, I hated auditions. You didn't go to New York. (laughs) No, I never went to New York. I never went to LA. Um, I never did any of those things, but I just hoped that it would happen. So I like playing characters who also have that sort of aspirational desire to be discovered or to fit in or to have people notice them. And that probably says more about my childhood than anything else. Because all my player, all my characters I ever played growing up were all bards or rogues or something like that who were some way aspirational. They weren't me because I was not confident. I was not that comfortable in my own skin. So I played bards or I played rogues. Who could uh, who could fit in or be like comfortable in social situations? But also, I like the 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 really agile characters who could disappear oh. whenever they wanted to. Because I was no, I was kind of a bullied kid um, around oh. middle school age, and so I being liked, able to disappear would have yes. been very useful. Okay, and I wanted to because like I was you know like if you're a, kind of a fat kid who gets bullied a lot, 
you, if you always feel like people are looking at you. Right. So when I could play like a ninja, oh. that was really enjoyable. Huh. Wow, that That's really fleshes out my vision of your character now. Yeah. Actually. Yeah, how so? That adds a lot of layers there. As a therapist. Well, <laughs> just that... My projective technique that I'm... Your, your personality pros and cons are reflected in Shush's behavior that you've constructed. Yeah. It's not just a decision that you made on the fly. It's actually a legitimate expression of your personality. So what's so interesting about that is that originally it was an on-the-fly decision. Like, Shush was originally, when we first did our very first podcast, we weren't expecting to go anywhere with it, necessarily. Right. We were going to play one fun thing, right. and Shush, like, kind of, sort of, barely was a real player, because yeah. I knew the story that oh. we were going to do. And then as I've played Shush, it's purely... This is a Rorschach test. Shush yeah. became <laughs> me, even though he didn't start off as me. He is now more and more me the more we play as him. Well, or I cer- play as him. Certainly, like, the stuff I was just saying about Grolo, I, I did not plan any of that. Right. I, I mean, mm-hmm. but... Of course, I would have gravitated to barbarians because I said, you know, like that kind of thing. But I certainly didn't sit there. Oh well, because of this, I should probably make him this way. As, as you're pointing out, some of that stuff just comes out. Yeah, and, and some of it, some of it becomes sort of necess- necessity to the plot, right? Yeah. Um, you want things to make sense. So uh, when I asked you in the last uh, in the last podcast recording, uh, what history does Grolo have with his people? Right. Uh, you came up with the, the idea that Grolo must have had a mentor. Um, which yeah. from Grolo coming from a broken family makes a lot of sense. By, by plot, Grolo's learned some things about or- orc culture and about being an orc and those things. That, that right. necessitates having to have that role. But it also raises a lot of really interesting points and, and what you bring in. Right. Uh, Grolo had a bad relationship with his, with his family, yeah. but now has uh, this other role. There was somebody in his life that was a good yeah. um maybe a partial parenting relationship. Right, right. Um, and, and as we're fleshing out the, the backstory between Grolo and, and um, Thrain, there's also a, a sort of helping role that Thrain has taken on of, of being um, maybe to some extent parental to Grolo. He certainly takes on the role of protecting Grolo. Right. Um, and supporting Grolo in a lot of that. Um, and there's a every lot time of... we go out in the town, Kirk's my protector. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, Bardo, don't run in there and do crazy stuff. Um, but, but there's a lot of... And I try to cast spells on you and it never works. <laughs> I should, always, to, always to trying be, to cast bless. To be honest... <laughs> Uh, he's been more of an instigator sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's what people don't know. <laughs> yeah. But that's that's not the role of this character. That's, that's not the right. part of you that's you're right. putting into that's this right. character. Well, we'll see. Yeah. Maybe the party or in Thrain will come out at some that's point. Gonna, gonna I, I was, today. Sorry, I was going to say that uh, the other part that I realized when you asked me that is I talked about the food. And, you know, food for me growing up was so important with my family and stuff. So, I mean, I certainly in the moment thought, oh, yeah, because that's important to me. But it is funny how, like, these are the things that come out by default, unless you're explicitly trying to not. Mm-hmm. You know, certainly if you if the assignment was given to me, oh, now come out with a completely different character. Like, I'll be very conscious about maybe steering in different paths. But when, when you're just saying, come up with a character... It seems to be that we pull from what we know or what we fear or what we love. And, yeah. And actually, we, yeah. the thing that we found is even players who, who try to jump in and they try to play a really explicit character. Um, I had a player who, who wanted to play Nicolas Cage. 
Uh, and that was their <laughs> character. And so they, the whole the whole character was just references. In which movie, though? Like, it, was, it was actually Nicolas Cage across all the movies. Oh, my God. So the character was just <laughs> the reference Meta after Cage. reference from Nicolas Cage movies. Even Bad Lieutenant. Yeah, I, I, it was everything that, that that player had ever seen from Nicolas Cage. So they made references to Bees and to Face Off and, uh, and to uh, um, Ghost Rider. And uh, we made a whole character around that. And But... At some point, the character, the, the player still has to make decisions about what kinds of decisions the, the character will make. And those moments are the moments where the, they can base it off those things. But maybe they didn't see every Nick Cage movie. Right. Maybe, they, maybe they saw Nick Cage movies, but they lean towards some of them more than other ones. Like, those things still play a role in that. You still have to speak to your experiences and what you know when you're, when you're putting that into a character, even when there's some prescribed things that are, that that are set up ahead of time. Um, Well, let's take a break, and when we get back, let's get into it. What do you say? Yeah, sounds great. All right, we're back from the break. If you haven't become a patron of the podcast, do so now. Go to patreon.com. Also, if you're having trouble with the premium feed, email us at contact.psychologyinseattle.com because we can help you with it. Also, uh, go to gametogrow.org and donate if you're interested. I noticed uh, some... Someone actually recently donated to my December campaign page recently. Uh, that was pretty cool. Of people. It still accepts donations. Yeah. Even though technically the campaign is closed, it still accepts donations. Yeah. So, Miracles of modern internet science. Right. And if you're a clinician or a parent or an educator and you want to uh, learn more, uh, go to gametogrow.org and particularly uh, sign up for the uh, critical core how do people do that adam so you can go to criticalcore.org and so- join our mailing list or go to game slash critical core to see uh, a small write-up about sort of what critical core is about um, we've been traveling to various different cons um, and answering questions and giving some presentations so people can also go to game slash events to see whenever you are listening to this that calendar will be updated with the upcoming events great and Critical Core is a physical product that will eventually be uh, sent out to people, last I heard anyway, and will be uh, you'll be trained on it and you can actually use it with your people that you want to use it with. Um, it's a project that, that's basically going to be coming to uh, Kickstarter within the next uh, couple of months. When this when this gets posted, the Kickstarter may be live. Um, and it's really designed to be a take-home kit uh, for parents and teachers and therapists who've never, never played a role-playing game before, never played Dungeons & Dragons before, to get them introduced into the game, to get them started with a lot of that. It uh, has a stripped-down set of rules really designed to be approachable, uh, both from, from uh, those facilitators but also from um, uh, neurodiverse populations populations that that um, can have a game they can they can jump into and a module designed specifically to help with social skill development um, especially with challenges related to um, autism and, and autism uh, related yeah difficulties this is the first of its kind as far as we know really and it's been essentially tested not the exact thing but the model of activity has been tried and tested by Adam and Adam for many years and has worked with many, many people who continue to come back over and over and over again every week and die. You know, they just are dying to come. And they don't so, actually die. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they're dying to come. Uh, and so if you want, an, you know, it's evidence enough for me, an evidence-based product that will actually help people uh, 
you know, get on the critical core bandwagon people. All right, let's get into it. Let's let's play some D and D. So, uh, does anybody want to do the sort of recap from the previous game, or would you like me to to do that? Uh, I'll do it if All I right. can remember it right. For so the last time we were in town, and there uh, we started with an alarm going off because uh, some you know there were arrows flying, there's something on fire. And uh, the guards got ready, and there were some orcs in the woods, and they were firing arrows. And we went up there to investigate, and we tried to help out with the orcs. But then we noticed some shadowy figures in town. So the three of us went to investigate the three shadow, the two shadowy figures. And we were in an alleyway or something, and uh, we essentially got attacked by these two... Uh, you know, sneaky assassiny kind of people. Were they humans? Uh, they were orcs. orcs. They were orcs. Yeah. And we, uh, Grolo and Shush, uh, opened the can of whoop ass and uh, got some serious damage done on those two guys and subdued th- uh, the guy. Anyway, there was a. It was like a brother sister team. Mm-hmm. And we found out that they were sent to kill us. Including Nicholas, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and did we find out who who sent them? Uh, no. When you questioned uh, the orc, uh, the necklace that he was wearing choked him to death. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Before he could answer. And there was that symbol again of of Grumsh that we saw on them. Mm-hmm. So more, or that was I saw the symbol of Grumsh in my dream. Yes. And this is yeah. the first time we've seen it in real life. Right, or did we see it with the orcs as well? Um, you saw it in one other place. Um, the, it was on a. Um, oh, you didn't see it. It was described to you by Nicholas, uh, yeah. who was following um, the Lord um, Blancmere. Yeah, uh, who said that he also had a similar necklace. Right, right, right. Um, that had the the symbol of Grimsh. By by the way, so the um, Right before the female orc disappeared, mm-hmm. she said something to her brother. Can you remind us what that was? Oh man, she said something like, uh, "Meet or not now, brother," or something like that. Um, I want to say it was. Uh, I, I'm going to get corrected by somebody who's listening to the to the actual recording. Okay. I want to say it was it's something okay. like, "It's no, okay." No. I remember she said something like, "Man, that." Tiefling is really good looking. Oh yeah, that's what it was. That's what it was, and it was all a hallucination. Yeah, I remember. So, so, I, have, so I have some notes here. Uh, below was Barbello was the name of the man assassin orc guy, and he said he was sent by an orc leader, Geth Gethi. Yes, yes, and which is an orc tribe in the east. Do I have that right? I mean, it's an orc form, so yes. I mean, it, yeah, yeah, orc yeah. form. It's a note form. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you uh, read orc. <laughs> it, it is. It is the leader of the orc tribe from the east. Yeah. Okay. I believe. So, so he said he admitted that he the that Gethi sent the two assassins to kill us, um, and that it was a, a purposeful thing to come after the four of you very right. specifically. Right. All right. So I was asking about what she said. It, if if you don't have it written down, then it's not critical. It's just when you said it, you said it so specifically. And I was like, oh. I, I think it was something like, um, uh, brother, I'm, I'll, I'll um, I, I think it was something like, brother, I'm, I'm sorry I couldn't, yeah, something I couldn't like help that. or something like something that. Like that. Um, it was about the relationship between okay. between her and her, and her brother. Okay. 
Um, so did I get most of it there? I think that was I think that was all the important things. The very last thing that's that's important to to point out is um, the four of you the next day um, kind of got uh, pushed out of town in an unfriendly way. Oh right, yeah, right. Um, uh, where you were hoping maybe to to get some I, I, whether or not you were hoping it, but um, there there was a, a thought that you might get some recognition for you know fending the town off from an attack, clearly an attack by right. New York, and instead. Uh, the townspeople sort of responded by blaming you for their houses burning down. Yeah. Um, so there was uh, a little bit of a, of a uh, I guess, not the reward you were hoping for. Yeah. Uh, but the captain of the guard did give you um, sort of honorary guard guard uh, patches for each That's of you right. and thanked you for for your help and even gave you some supplies to to supply up your ship on the on the way out. Even though he kind of insisted that you leave. Yeah. Um. But that leaves us at this place that you're you're at now, um, sailing along the beautiful sound. Sailing. You, the the thing about um, being on the water is uh, while there's lots of dangers with with sailing, um, it has an opportunity to sort of isolate you from uh, the rest of the world and the problems of the rest of the world. Maybe this is one of the reasons why Shush. Um, has taken to sailing and right. has gotten himself a boat um, because it gives him an opportunity to just be away from from the problems and challenges of of the rest of the world. Um, and it takes you a couple of days to sail down to uh, the city of Priha, where you're tr- hoping to, to um, track down uh, Rapi, and you're hoping to um, uh, get a little bit more into the mystery of what's of what's going on. Um, but it gives you time to uh, relate with each other and to reflect on things. We're going to fast forward a little bit through this experience, um, but we are going to set up uh, what are called um, uh, sort of character bonds between your characters. And this is basically just a, a quick sentence frame that is how your character feels about another character in the group. Um, and you can you can use uh, Nicholas as well for this, but... What I basically want you to do is I want you to come up with one relationship bond that you have with some some other character in the in the group that your character has. Um, so to give you an example of some sort of frames for this, they can be stuff like um, uh, so and so or this character has much to teach me about something, or uh, I admire so and so because some reason. Uh, so they're really basic uh, kind of things to define your relationship. And they don't have to be um, positive. They can be um, things like, I don't trust so-and-so. I don't trust this this other this other character. Or I blame them for something. Um, so that it can set up some of the idea that even though we're all friends and we all get along, your characters might not always get along. Okay. Um, so uh, who wants to go first? Who has an idea for a relationship? I think Shush would admire Grolo for sort of what I said earlier about sort of being unapologetic. Like not worrying what people think about him. Like Shush's whole thing is like, oh, gosh, I hope people will accept me. I hope I can be part of the team. And Grolo, that's, he would totally take a page out of Grolo's playbook about mm. like saying what's on his mind. Perfect. Um, and I want you to go ahead and add that as a note somewhere on your character sheet. Um, so that you have that as a as a little bit of a guiding factor, and Grolo, you should also add that to your character sheet um, because Grolo would would pick up maybe on some of this some of this um, um, interaction. I'll bet the Shush has like asked Grolo for stories on the boat. It's like, whoa, what'd you do next? <laughs> really? You you just did it? Wow! <laughs> awesome. Uh, Kirk, I'll you go. go next. Yeah, yeah. Um, Shush uh, Thrain. 
was unsure about Shush until <clears throat> our last adventure in which he showed that he was brave and and actually uh, vulnerable to crowds that he actually uh, you know acted like he was tough like he didn't want approval but actually when he got approval he liked it so that was revealing about his personality hmm. so do you think um, then maybe the, the frame for that would be like um, uh, Thrain now thinks more highly of, of Shush or maybe yeah trusts uh, him and, and recognizes that he is human or tiefling like everybody else. You're only human. Or actually, it's you're only teethling after <laughs> all. All right, I have one. All right, go actually, for Actually, I have two. Can I do two? Uh, yeah, yeah. All right. So I feel I owe my current fortune to Thrain. I mean fortune as in like my current life. <laughs> because uh, I think I've mentioned before... I was sort of like a very angry, misguided young half-orc man. And uh, Thrain helped me put my skills to good use and kind of set me on the a better path. Mm-hmm. And so I really feel indebted to him. So I, I would easily die for him. You know, like, it's not even like, oh, I wonder if I should. No, I'm just like, boom. And so there's, there's, a, there's a big debt there. Yeah, and and even though I am impulsive, I, I won't just like die for just anyone, you know. So that's mm-hmm. not a. Uh, the other thing is, I do love singing whenever Shush plays. <laughs> awesome. I just like you know he plays and I'm like ah love I love that one or I don't know it but I love it. <laughs> awesome. I'm writing all these down. These can be like good opportunity for for character interaction. Okay. Um, over the two days, you have lots of time to reflect and, and be out at sea. Um, and for the most part, you're all by yourselves. Um, you're, you're traveling down the sound, and, and um, most of the time you are within visual range of, of the coastline. Uh, so you're never really uh, very far. There's a couple of stormy um, uh, moments that you hit, but it's not really a, much of a challenge, and certainly not for a, a skilled uh, um, sailor like Shush. Um, so you make your way to the uh, main docks of the very large city of Pahia. Pahia. Now, Pahia. what the the um, uh, the three of you all know about this city? Um, at the very least, none of you have have been here, and at least the last ten years, if you've ever been here at all. Um, and so you're expecting the city may have adjusted, it may have shifted a little bit, it might be a little different than than before. Um, but the uh, most important thing that you know about it is that it's a trade hub. Um, basically, everybody comes here, they bring trade from, from around the kingdom uh, to trade at this city. Um, but along with that, there's a lot of taxes and there's a lot of um, oversight to people coming in with trade. Uh, so even when you were um, visiting before, and, and I'll get kind of a rundown for who's been here before, um, there was always uh, sort of a customs uh, for coming into the city, especially from uh, the water where a lot of the trade comes in. Uh, so who, whose character would have been to, this is the central, basically capital city of this, of this kingdom, whose character would have been here before? I would assume that my character in his 60 years of being in the region would have come here for some religious or even trade purpose if it has items that can only be bought there or something. He might have been sent on a mission from the temple to to buy some things. Perfect. And was it uh, like a long time ago or was it? Uh, uh, sure. We'll say a long time ago. Perfect. 
Okay. Um, so you've been here before. Um, a- a- anyone else's character has been here before? Shush spends some time here as a busker. Oh, okay. Oh, Interesting. Nice. <laughs> uh, perfect. That's that's extra good, actually. Uh, no, Rolo, have you ever been here? I don't remember. Oh, okay. Perfect. <laughs> um, uh, Thrain and Shush, uh, both of you know that there is... Um, a process for coming into the city. The city issues their own sort of uh, ID system uh, for being able to identify uh, people who come in. And uh, you know that while you are allowed to carry weapons into the city, um, you have to pay a uh, sort of weapon toll uh, or a weapon, um, I guess, tax um, and get a license to, to have your weapons in the, in the city. Um, so there's, there's a whole process that you have to go through. When you start to come up to uh, the docks and the port, you can see it is it is crowded. This city is uh, bustling. There's a ton of ships coming in. They actually have to direct you uh, in with your ship uh, to come into the the docks and find a good good place for you to dock um, for your stay and your duration. And the docks are just gigantic. They stretch on for a super long uh, distance wow. um, just because there's so many people coming in with trade and and with various different. Um, uh, um, Cargo. Things re- kind of things related to trade, I guess, would be a good way to put it. Um, as you make your way towards the the customs, um, they uh, look you up and down. They kind of separate you into into people who are bringing in like a lot of trade that needs to be inspected, and people who are just bringing in their bags and just traveling into the city. Um, but it's eventually you make your way up to the customs desk, um, where they ask you if you have a city ID. Um, now. Shush and Thrain, you've been here before, at least recently enough, that you could have had a city ID that was issued a long time ago that would have identified who you are. Um, would you still have it with you? Uh, I, If I was leaving town, I guess it would stand to reason that if it wasn't too bulky, I would carry it with me. Yeah, it'd be like a little piece of paper that has like an official stamp on it. That's yeah. all. We'll Mine's yes. probably on the boat somewhere. Cool. So you probably... You probably <laughs> did you, you, you left I don't know, the, you left I don't know where I put it on the boat. <laughs> Shush spends like a good half an hour tearing the boat apart trying to find <laughs> his, his stupid city ID. <laughs> Um, but you know that you need to get Grolo a new city ID because he's never been here before. Okay. Um, Can't I use this city ID? Is that just your hammer? No, no, it's oh. it's a piece of paper I found. Oh, I see. That's, <laughs> that's my receipt for something <laughs> unmentionable. Good thing you can't read. <laughs> um, uh, as you uh, come through the line, it's a it's just a painstaking process. Uh, but eventually, you make your way up to uh, like the front desk person, uh, who seems to be like a little bit smug and a little bit like. Um, uh, um, tired of, of having to process a lot of people and they say um, uh, yes do you have your um, I, excuse me do you have your, your IDs on you excuse me sir yes uh, I have mine here here you go yes I'll take your ID thank you oh, it seems that, that this is out of date are you aware that this is out of date it uh, stands to reason it's been a while since I've been here. Yes. Well, um, you will have to pay, uh, once again, I see that you have some weapons on you you will have to pay the weapon service fee uh, for your out-of-date uh, um, uh, ID here. Okay. Uh, the weapon service fee is five gold and then two gold per weapon, uh, but we will issue you a new ID to go along with that. Okay. Um, and he kind of looks over the, the two of you as well, uh, Grillo and Shushaniga and, and Nicholas. Um, Nicholas, by the way, I don't know if you guys ever gave him any weapons. He 
didn't otherwise have it. Oh, you didn't have it? <laughs> he doesn't uh, need one. He has a cool jacket, though. He does have a cool jacket. <laughs> uh, um, so Nicholas is like, uh, I don't I don't have any weapons. He also has his own city ID because he, he was here most yeah. recently. Okay. Um, and uh, and he just sort of hands his his over. Um, but Shush, uh, as you hand over your ID, um, you get a similar spiel about it being out of date. Um, but Can I give a little bit of charm yeah give me give me a uh, what what kind of charm are you looking to apply here um this person like you said looks a little bit like they're bored they've been having a very long day i want to like maybe try to lighten the mood a little bit maybe um just be kind of uh, smile a little bit maybe like a suggestive nod are are you hitting on them? Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, give, me, give me Everybody a likes to feel give attractive. me a persuasion. Check. <laughs> right? Isn't that how this works? It helps when you speak into the microphone on a podcast, Adam. Sorry, <laughs> I was reading my character sheet. I'm sorry. Yeah. It helps with hitting on. on it helps if I tilt my head just so to the side. Um, that's a sixteen. Uh, a sixteen. Uh, all right. Um, I don't know whether or not this would change anything for Shush. Um, this is uh, a sort of a skinny um, a guy. It's a ha- it's a halfling, uh, male with with glasses. Um, uh, what is how does Shush hit on him? It seems reasonably effective at the very least. <laughs> I think he'd say, um, "How much more time do you have to work today? We could wrap this up. Uh, Make this go a little faster." Um, my shift is the standard shift of 15, 15 hours long on, on days where I... And then he sees like a little bit of a sparkle in your eye and he goes, well, maybe another like three hours, you know. I go on a lunch break. Uh, I do get a standard lunch break. Uh, at I already took one of them, but I get a second standard lunch. By, by the regulations of... And he sort of stammers a little. He's clearly like... Not used to being hit on by <laughs> by um, people who are are coming up to the to the whole thing. Well, I'll say that. Um, let's say we just let the group in, and I'd be happy to be. I can only have lunch with you if we're inside the city. Oh, and I can only buy you lunch uh, if oh, I've geez. got all this gold in I, my pocket. I, I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to lose my job. I mean, I, I I still I still have to charge you for for the weapons and stuff. But if you Maybe if you have like like a like a knife or something, you know, if it's a knife that's under a certain uh, um, amount, uh, I don't need to charge you for that. You can claim that as a as like a kitchen knife or or something along those lines. That doesn't count as a weapon, so I could I could waive some of those fees, oh, I guess. All right. Um, does your friend <laughs> does your friend need an ID <clears throat> over there? Yes, he does. I have an ID. Oh, you do have an ID. Wonderful. Go ahead and hand that hand that over. Oh, uh, what what is an ID? Oh, uh, it's it's like a. It's it looks just like these. Like it says your name right there, and then it has a description of what you look like, and uh, then it has no, a, no. Uh, I, I don't have an ID. Oh, oh, okay. So, gotcha. Well, uh, <laughs> well, I can issue you a new ID if you need. No, I uh, don't have one. No. Okay, uh, I'll I'll issue you a new ID. You need to pay for your your hammer, unfortunately. No, I own this hammer. It is my hammer. Uh, yeah, this is just a a tax. For your hammer, attacks. Yeah, who is going to attack me? No, it's a, it's a, attacks is like a. Well, it's like it's sort of a societal idea of of paying towards. <laughs> I, I, I don't like, like a greater good of a of a. <laughs> just hand her seven gold. <sighs> Shush is just smiling even bigger and like <laughs> awkwardly trying to to maintain that low level of of charm that he had established here um <laughs> no one better attack me i want i want everybody to roll me perception checks while this is all going on 16 
Fifteen. Awesome. Uh, Fifteen. Awesome. All right. Those are all. Those are all pretty good. Um, uh, you notice all, all of you, all three of you, notice uh, two things. The first is ever since you pulled into port, um, Nicholas is looking uh, quiet and nervous. Um, it's it's subtle, like he's still answering questions and he still uh, talks a little bit, but he uh, is looking around and kind of dart, darting his eyes around quite a bit um, and seems to be um, a little on edge. Uh, the other thing that um, all of you notice, but especially Grolo and Thrain, Grolo, you notice that you're getting a lot of smiles. Uh, as you walk by people, you are a half-orc. You're not used to getting like people reacting in a friendly way to you mm-hmm. um but people are like um smiling at you um when uh you see people like standing in line they they don't seem off put by you in any way um especially given your size and you notice a disproportionately large number of uh um orcs and half orcs oh. uh in in the city obviously like participating in the trade and and um uh, things like that. These don't seem like uh, orcs that are uh, necessarily from from like the tribal uh, right. raiding areas, but um, but you no- just notice that there's a large number of those. The other thing that you notice, Thrain, is you're getting a lot of stink eye. Oh, um, uh, you're getting a lot of people who are 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 doing the exact opposite. They are uh, pacing away from you. Uh, you watch you watch a woman like um, uh, hold, hold her child and like like make them <laughs> face away from you uh, while you're hanging out in line. Um, uh, and you're definitely getting like a lot of people that that like try not to look in your direction, or or maybe even like make a little like grimace and face. Uh, the guy that you're interacting with is not he's not saying anything. He's not giving you giving you any kind of indication one way or the the other on any of that. Uh, but you're definitely noticing that a lot from the from the people um, kind of around you. Um, the uh, rest of the procedure um, is mostly um, pretty straightforward. Now, um, Thrain and um, Shush, both of you went through a similar procedure when you originally got your IDs, uh, but the city actually has a very specific way that they issue the IDs when you first go through to make sure that you're telling the truth, which is that they have a, a booth that basically detects whether or not you're telling the truth. So they make you fill out all the paperwork, and then they use the booth just to say, like, did you fill out all the paperwork, and is it truthful? Oh, it's like um, a magic thing. It, it, it is a magic thing. Okay. It's actually made by the local university. These kinds of things oh. are really expensive. Uh, no, no, <laughs> nobody except for very, very large cities has something like this. Um, most of the time, if they have any kind of ID issue or anything like that, other cities will do stuff like like they'll just sort of look you up and down and try to try to determine if you're if you're telling the truth about about what you wrote down. Like In America, like, <laughs> yeah, like exactly. A, a truth booth. A truth. Yeah, it is actually called a truth booth. Um, and uh, the way that it works is that it's basically just like the spell zone of truth except that it also has a little indicator light that tells you whether or not you resisted the spell or whether or not you're affected by the spell oh. um, so it basically just lights up if you if you resist it and then the the person you know speaks into a, into a little microphone and says like relax and let the spell take take hold of you so that you can be affected by the zone of truth so we know whether or not you're lying on your paperwork Interesting. Um, so it's very like um it's like going through kind of the TSA and you go through the backscatter ray or whatever. And uh, it's like a, generally a very quick and, and a largely kind of painless process. And they only ask you really the one question, which is just, did you lie on your paperwork? Is everything truthful on your paperwork that you filled out? Um, Grolo, since you can't read or write, uh, I, I assume uh, Shush or Thrain kind of help you fill out the paperwork that you need. Uh, for I am everything. assuming so, yeah. But <laughs> is there anything in specific that Grolo would lie about in this paperwork? And it's mostly what's the, like, what's, what's the, the question? 
the questions are all like, uh, what's your name? Uh, give a description for what you look like. Um, uh, what is your, um, uh, like, who, who are your parents? Um, and what is your purpose of coming into the city? So I would have, I would have maybe said, as far as my name, that's fine. Uh, and what what do I look like, or what was what was? The yeah, you have to give like a written description of what uh, you look handsome like. or half work, you know. And then, <laughs> um, then I would have probably said, my parents are both half works or something, which would have been a lie. All right, you would have said that. You, I mean, well, I'm you, writing you're, it. You're, so I, I'm you're dictating that. it. Yeah, so. I, I, I write. <laughs> no, but sorry, I, mean, you I know. try that. It's like, oh, just say they're both half orcs. Yeah, I mean, we'll do, we'll do. I mean, Thrain, you know the, but, but the, you know the writes, story yeah. and you know the, but the, you write the, the right truth bits. Yeah, and so, I say, I, I'm going to write the right thing because they're going to detect it. But then, wrong. how does the zone of truth operate in that? Case? Does the zone of truth move? But I told you I'm writing the right thing. Oh, all right. If you say, if you say so. And what was the last one? Uh, why we're here? Why you're why here? We're here. So the, so the, so the, we sort of have to get on the same. Yeah. Page so I say, uh, you know, we should write why we're really here, which is we're here to investigate uh, the um, the we're we're here to go to the archaeology department and learn about archaeology in the area. I think Shush would totally remind you that a little bit of truth is just as true as a lot of truth. The word business is enough. Okay. I think as opposed to I think business, pleasure, family. Oh. It's a business. That's why we brought you along. That's right. You're better at this sort of thing. <laughs> okay, so business. We all write business. Awesome. Grolo, you know what they've written down, so Yeah, but it gets a little complicated because Grolo was half following that last <laughs> conversation. So he's like, Okay, we're here to do architecture or some sort of agriculture business. No, wait. Archeolo- archaeology, that's it. Archaeology business. Perfect. Grolo, why don't you roll me an intelligence saving throw? Um, the 20? Yes. Go ahead and roll the d20 and then add your intelligence modifier. Oh. <laughs> what do you roll? <laughs> what? <laughs> Okay, we're gonna don't we're bother gonna, don't bother adding. No, this is gonna be, <laughs> <laughs> what's your what's your intelligence saving throw? Oh my gosh, the intelligence is minus one. <laughs> <laughs> you effectively got a zero. <laughs> oh my god. Perfect. Where are my lucky dice when I need them? Um, here's a third of your brain bled, <laughs> bled out of your ear. Um, oh here's, here's how this goes. Te- technically, oh no. all the stuff on your on your piece of paper is is actually true. Sure. Um, so they put you, Grolo, they put you into this box. Mm-hmm. Um, and the box has like a little light on the top. And the, the guy who's, who's a different guy than the than the person that you were interacting with his job literally is just to uh walk you through like answer this one question that's his only job okay is to have people come into the box and then answer one question okay <laughs> um which for most people is very quick and it's very easy and in this instance is going to be really just a pain in the butt for for Grolo for this for this one guy. So we're gonna, we're going to play it out. Okay. Basically, um, my expectation is Grolo probably doesn't understand uh, like the whole the whole situation. Right. Uh, so the guy helps you into the box um, and he says um, uh, the light will turn on. Oh, I got to give this guy a, a voice. Uh, the light's going to turn on and it's going to just indicate to you and and you're going to feel a, 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 an odd sensation. Just go ahead and let it wash over you. That that is just the truth. The zone of truth kind of affecting you, and then you will tell the truth uh, for whatever it is that that I will be asking you. I'll be asking you a single question. You understand? Oh, is that the question? No, that was 
No, that was just a that was a preliminary. I was just explaining the rules. I'm explaining how the box works. Oh, okay. So you okay. don't. That wasn't the question. You. I just need, but I do need you to answer that question. So when the light comes on, you'll ask me a question. The light. The, the lights. The lights. On, you don't need to worry about the light. The lights on my side. You won't even see a light. There's no light on your side. You're not going to see a light. Uh, it's just going to be a question that I'm going to ask you about the light. Got it? Nope. It's not a question about the light. It's a. Yeah. You know what? Why don't Why don't you go ahead and stand in the? Just go ahead and stand in there. Go All ahead right. and stand in the in the booth there. Okay. Uh, and uh, there. Do you feel the sensation uh, coming over you? Uh, I feel a lot of things. Yes. Okay. It's great. <laughs> don't 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 resist. Uh, don't I'm, resist I'm, that. You gotta. I'm excited. It, the to. light's on here. It's showing you that you're resisting the the the, the spell. Oh. You gotta kind of let it let it affect you. Don't don't resist <sighs> it. <sighs> okay. Okay. Uh, the light the light turned the other way. So now you just have to answer the question. So is the paperwork that you submitted uh, is that all correct? Well, I, I didn't submit the paperwork. Thrain submitted the paperwork. What, who's who's Thrain? <laughs> What do you mean, Thrain? You know Thrain. I know. He's my friend. Why would I Why would I know your friend? I mean, Did you submit paperwork? Is there paperwork? I have this paperwork in front of me. Is your name Grolo? Y- yes, I am Grolo. Oh, okay. That's But that wasn't the question. Look, I just <laughs> told you. Is, is this paperwork, is all the rest of the stuff on this paperwork correct that, it, that you submitted? Uh, yes! Yes! <laughs> Perfect. That's all. That's all I need. So at this point, there's like a line backup of other people who are all all holding paperwork, um, and the guy is like holding his head in his hands, uh, just trying to get uh, Grolo. So Grolo, the door um, is like a two sided door, so you okay. have to go out a different way than the way that you came in. Okay. Uh, so he goes. He goes. The door behind you is going to open. Just go ahead and go out that way, and you're all done. And I'll hand you your your ID. All right. Uh, well, so, do you see the door behind you? Yes, but but what about the light? The there's 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 I I did the light. The, the light that already happened. Okay. Yeah, you're you're done. You're done with the All light. Right. There's there's no light. Okay. Where's my weapon? It's over here. Okay. Over on the I have it okay, right here. Okay. It's it's just walk just walk through the the barrier that way. All right. Um. He he eventually uh, hand, hands you the weapon and he like stamps the stuff you've never seen anybody stamp something so fast um, and he, he hands you over the stuff and he goes here's your ID uh, here's your here's your stuff uh, uh, get out of here <laughs> Ugh, how frustrating now that you guys are finally through customs um, on the other side you get into the city of Prihia. And the city is phenomenal. Um, Thrain and Shush, you've seen the city before, and it's just a wonder every time you see it. Um, it is massive. It is absolutely gigantic. And the city is just filled with not only people, but smells and uh, wondrous sights to see. Uh, there are many people who travel to the city just for tourism, just to see some of the amazing museums. And, and uh, there's an entire school of magic that, that exists in the city. It's one of the better school, schools of magic that exist in the in the greater area Hogwarts um, it's, it's, it's called it's uh, instead of Hogwarts it's called um, uh, uh, pig, pig skin pig, tag. pig skin tag. <laughs> that's so terrible um, uh, yeah it's called actually let's, let's go ahead and let's name, name it give me give me a, a letter Adam P P <laughs> oh, no. uh, uh, Umberto what do you mean A uh, G F. A. Oh, no. <laughs> um, R. T. 
<laughs> You're as bad as all the kids in our, in well, we, our can end, we can end with an H. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm going to add an H. At the end. <laughs> this this school is called Pagfarth. <laughs> I was um, so close. <laughs> Um, uh, it is uh, named after the founder of the school, uh, uh, Sir Reginald Pagfar. <laughs> oh, man. Um, he must have gotten good at magic. <laughs> he got very good at magic, <laughs> as he did not have a lot of friends. So um, uh, you come into the to the city, and you just see this amazing sight that is, that is all the things that are going on in this city. Um, and uh, now that you are free to walk around... Um, what do you guys want to do? What's what's your your main goal here? Uh, sorry, quick question. Mm-hmm. So I took seven gold away, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So we paid. Our- yeah, yeah. All, all of you paid, paid for I your took nine. Took nine out. Okay. Because you have for, two weapons. Yeah. It, yeah. For any any weapons that you would have that would be Wait, basically a, larger than a knife. They didn't a see it. Maul and a sling. They didn't see the sling. I'm oh, I'm okay. also curious, Shush. Did you wait around for the? Did I get a for discount? the lunch break for the for the guy? Did I get a discount? He introduced himself as um, Stuart. Stuart. Yeah. Um. Did did he did he give me a discount? <laughs> uh, he, he he. I mean, he at least gave you the got my knife the, in for free. The, yeah, you got your knife in for free. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm just curious. <laughs> I, it, it's, we have lots of things. Microphone. <laughs> I'm, I don't want to. I don't want to like you know. I don't want to ghost him. I want to be nice, but we got stuff to do. Stuff you can wait do. around for three hours. I'm not going to wait around for three hours. If so we're in, if we're around, and I'll, <laughs> I'll remember him. I'll write about him in my autobiography. Yeah, he'll, he'll have it. You'll write a nice review on Yelp. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> for, right. Yelp. Yeah. Yelp. Yeah. Um, all right. Cool. So I just I, wanted to make sure. I turn to Nicholas and I say, "Your mission with us is almost over." I remind you that if you just get us a access into the archaeology department, uh, whoever hired you, because that's that's where they were. Hired. Um, the the person who hired him was the is the uh, pawnbroker. Oh, the pawnbroker. Uh, yeah. Oh, right. Lord Blanc is sort of an um, intermediary. Lord Blancbore is an archaeologist. Works at the archaeology. Right. Right. And. Uh, Nicholas and his buddies were hired by a pawnbroker, so right, named Robbie. Robbie. So I say your your mission with us is almost over. You just have to introduce us to Robbie as p- potential mercenaries for hire. Um, Nicholas uh, 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 kind of nods nods along with you as you're as you're saying all that, and he goes, uh, "Yeah, yeah. Well, um, uh, I I feel like maybe it's uh, important for me to tell you that." Um, I haven't been like a dues-paying member of the Thieves Guild for, uh, well, you know, all the time that I've been in the city here. And um, uh, Rappi isn't exactly like uh, uh, How much do you owe? How much do you owe? Uh, well, you know, it's hard to say, you know, like between uh, taxes and by other stuff. Um, well, it's a lot. So we're talking uh, like <laughs> five gold? Uh, it's a bit more than that, I think. Six? I mean, I don't keep the books on it, um, but... If I had to guess, I would say one uh, one fifty, uh, maybe two hundred. What? Uh, well, you know, you do a couple of little jobs here and there, and it really adds up on the deuce. They they really gouge you on. Some That's of that like stuff. three times as much as five. That's a lot of gold. Uh, it's probably at least that. Yeah. How much gold do you have? 
Uh, well, including um, the money that I uh, picked off of that lady in the in the customs area. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I guess so. I got about ten silver. Oh uh, no! <laughs> didn't he get some gold from the reward though? Oh yeah, was did it? you guys give him? Give yeah, him some he of got gold? he got like twenty five or something. Or oh, 50. sorry, just twenty. I have a twenty five gold. Yeah. How much gold did we get from them? We all got twenty five. Or well, no, uh, no, we got, we got thirty, but you gave some gold away. Yeah, we yeah. got twenty five. We got fifty five total from that whole thing, and I gave thirty away. But then oh, I, I gave so. you back some. Oh, you must have given me back twenty five. Yeah. Oh, okay. So okay. So however much that is. But anyway, he so, says it shouldn't be a problem just so long as uh, nobody from the thieves guild spots me. Okay. Uh. Is is the pawnbroker in the thieves guild? Oh no, he's like. Way up. he he doesn't want to run any of the like above board stuff. He's on he's on the same page as me. Not everybody wants to be a dues paying member of some organization or whatever. Uh, so shoosh, maybe it's time for another disguise situation. disguise kit. Well, you've got a jacket. Let's get you a hat. <laughs> and are you just leaning into the Mad Max look that he's that yeah. he's got going on? And I'm, I want to go full guar on it. Oh, nice. Um, you're not, you're not gonna blend in. Uh, he's like maybe that's for the best. Um, what is? Can you can you describe for me the the full look you're going so for? So he's already got like I believe it's like a wool like big heavy jacket, right? That's what we gave him last time. Is like this big sort of metal guar style jacket. Yeah. I want to I want to give him like a rubber mask looking thing that's like green with big big high cheekbones and um, like sort of modeling after my own horns, but like pointier and smaller horns, almost like Darth Maul style horns coming out of the top oh. of his head. But green with red eyes with blood coming out of the eyeballs. Jeez. Oh my god! <laughs> it's, it's death metal. Right, right, right. I it's, like it. It's a pretty specific. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Plot. I dig yeah. it. What's cool is cool. Yeah, you guys. Awesome. Uh, uh, cool. Roll me a uh, deception check to see how good your disguise is. How accurate it is to that. That's a twenty-four. Woo! Oh, it looks pretty it looks good. Just like that. I have see. a lot of time on a boat by myself. <laughs> where I make disguises and then talk to myself in character. <laughs> Whoa, that um, is it a is, great disguise! Wow, I don't, I don't even look like me. No, you don't. I guess that's kind of the point of a disguise. Now that I think about it, you almost look intimidating. Oh, hey, thanks, Grolo. That means yeah. a lot coming from you. Yeah. Uh, he goes, ah. Oh, uh, no, just, uh, don't do that. Oh, now, right. I, have a, I have an important question, though. Sure. Did you feel the tingly sensation when we were in those booths? Oh, yeah. Yeah, everybody has to go through. Uh, you're talking about, like, the truth booth? No, the booths with the light. He means the truth booth. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I think everybody has to go through that. The tingly sensation is just the, the spell kind of taking over. I kind of like the tingly sensation. Yeah. Uh, one of these days, I'll teach you guys how to how to uh, actually um, uh, lie to the booth. Uh, that's a, that's a nice skill to to kind of have in your back pocket. Um, You're developing a f- spell fetish. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're gonna ask Thrain to cast like Zone kinda, of Truth kinda on kinda you. Like, <laughs> kind of like how that felt. Just give me another. Just give me another hit yeah, of the Zone of Truth. Thrain and Shush both have Zone of Truth. <laughs> truth you will ever set you free. Yeah. How much for just one Zone of Truth? <laughs> Um, the uh, uh, with a little bit more confidence, uh, Nicholas is is kind of leads leads you through the the streets and stuff, and he goes, uh, "Do you want to go straight to the to the pawn shop? I'll bet he's I'll bet he's open right now." Yeah, um, awesome. So he he starts leading you through. Um, a couple of things happen as you guys are walking through the busy streets of Bahia. Um One of the things is uh, once again, 
um, the same kind of reactions that you're getting from the from the people in the city uh, that you got from the customs uh, people you're getting from the people in the city, which is that um, uh, Grolo, you're getting a lot of like smiles and, and right. friendly looks, and Thrain, uh, you're getting a lot of like um, nasty stink eye and 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 kind of uh, people kind of grimacing or or uh, being pretty unhappy with you. In fact, um, a couple of people from uh, you get to a, a kind of a really crowded place, and there's a couple of people who throw some rotten fruit at you, Thrain. Uh, uh, ah. um, and say, um, uh, let's see, uh, it sounds like uh, little kids' voices, um, and they say, um, go back to your temple, you stupid Moradin, um, and they, they're kind of throwing, throwing some rotten fruit, and they do it, um, you don't really see them, they kind of do it from the, from the crowd, and then you can hear them kind of running off, ah. uh, but nobody corrects them, nobody does anything to, hey! um, to like admonish them or anything like that. Mm. I try to. I, I look around and see if I can see them, and I'm very upset at this. Um, you, you chase them down a little bit. They're 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 clearly like good. You're you're big, and you have to kind of push yeah. people away, and they're small, and they kind of push through the crowd. Um, the other thing, uh, Thrain, that I'll give you that you notice is when you were here, maybe um, uh, twenty years ago. Um, there were a bunch of temples of Moradin. Um, they were uh, throughout the city. It was a, a common and, and very welcome uh, church that many people worship. Um, now, um, you pass by some of the buildings that you remember being temples of Moradin, and they're boarded up, mm. uh, or they've turned into other other buildings, and they've been torn down. Mm. Um, a lot of the, the temples of Moradin of the city clearly have been uh, uh, taken out. You don't see any temples anywhere. If oh. I see another dwarf, I want to inquire. Um, you do see another dwarf. Uh, the city is is just populated with a really wide variety of, of um, different races, um, and the dwarf that you approach um, uh, also kind of kind of grimaces at you, um, and uh, you can see uh, very clearly he's wearing um, like a, a cloak uh, that um, covers up his his um, uh, tunic, and, and when you, he turns to face you, you can see he has the symbol of Groomsh, uh like emblazoned on his on his uh, chest. Whoa. Um, and he kind of looks you up and down, and he, he says, like, um, uh, what is it you want? What is going on in this town? What happened to all the temples to Moradin? And why does everyone hate me in this town? Ah, a, a worshiper of Moradin. I should expect such a thing from, from some outside dwarf who's uncultured, doesn't know all the good stuff that, that Grooms has brought to this, this Hey, city watch your this. mouth! Oh, excuse me, sir. I did not mean to offend anything. This is my friend here! In. Has uh, madness befallen you? Grimsh is evil. Madness? Grimsh has brought us great prosperity. What um, prosperity? I, I, I go to the church at least once a week these days in order to pay my, my true homage and tribute. Hmm? You defile your race, sir. Oh, uh, that's a strong statement coming from some un, uh, uh, unknown stupid worshiper of Morden. Uh, what has Morden done for us? Nothing but bar fights and, and drunken brawls. Uh, that's what they say in all the tabloids. That's what they say in all the papers. That's ridiculous. Morden created the world, the heavens above us, and uh, the goodness before us. Morden You've created... You've forsaken your race. Drunken dwarfs, not good for anything. Um, and that's, that's all there is to it. So you don't drink anymore? Oh, I drink. I just don't drink to excess. Um, <laughs> well, cl- clearly, groups. Grimps has brought us great prosperity, and he does so through the, the strength of, of uh, arms and through the strength of, of internal peace. Internal uh, peace, Grumpsh? Indeed. That's what they always say at church. Uh, maintain the internal peace that Grumps displays at all, uh, at all endeavors. What uh, sorcery has befallen this town? I, I, I'm speechless! 
I, I drink to excess, but this is my good friend. Why are you saying such mean things about him? Oh, are you a follower of Grumps, then? I would assume so with a, a gentleman of your tall stature. No! Oh, well, um, that is unfortunate. Uh, perhaps you should go to the church. Uh, hear their sermons. Perhaps you, you indeed can be swayed from your evil ways. Where is this church? Oh, there are several churches of Grimps. My favorite one is the one down Abbey Road, down at the end. They have a really beautiful statue right out in the front. I really enjoy eating my lunches down in that area. Do dwarves go there? Oh, yes. Uh, Grimps accepts people of all races um, to help in their worship and, of course, uh, in passing the collection plate around. Hmm. I love Grimps. Oh, well, then you are welcome in my establishment. What? My establishment's not here. I'm out shopping for things, but I have a fish cart uh, that's just up the way on, on that direction. Groomsh is wonderful. You, you never told me this. That's because I love Groomsh so much that I have to keep it private. But, oh, Ra- don't Rain, keep it private here. This? Um, he pulls out a, uh, a pendant. He goes, um, I keep these around for just such an occasion as to encourage people to wear groups on their sleeves. It's like, it's like a little pin. Uh, I, the, I put it it has the symbol. I, silly me, I left my other one in my domicile. Oh, of course. Um, never want to be caught without your symbol of groups on no. you. No, when uh. is the next meeting of the followers of groups? Winking my eyes at my teammates over here. Well, if you're going to the to the Abbey Road uh, uh, one, which I I do recommend, they also have a, a beautiful stained glass piece uh, depicting Grumsh in all of his wondrous glory. Um, well, that their their next meeting, I believe, is today at noon. Um, I have been following Grumsh for a very long time. How long have you been following Grumsh? Oh, I've been following Grumsh since uh, oh about um ten ten years ago or so, twelve years ago. Ten years ago, when all of the temples of Moradin changed into temples of Grumsh. Oh, they showed their true colors back then. That's for sure. Um, all those temples of Moradin, those priests all got um busted for various crimes and things. That's when people really started to, started to see the the truth about the the Moradin followers. What crimes? Oh, all the crimes that they got got involved. Well, some of them were just drunken battles and drunken brawls. With who? Uh, battles with who? Oh, uh, people people in, in various towns. Some of the followers of Grumsh, in fact, uh, who were only there trying to establish themselves as a worthwhile and, and uh, noble uh, religion that they truly have been seen to be now. Oh, maybe mm. they've got a point, Drain. <laughs> oh my god I, I have many favorite things about Groomsh What is your favorite thing about Groomsh? Uh, probably the inner peace it has brought me in everyday activities Such as picking out this beautiful peach that I have here Groomsh tells me that I should be strong But strong through not just my muscles of lifting the peach But strong through my inter-enjoyment of its, of its full experience that sounds so Groomsh-like. Indeed. I'm Moradin's beard. I don't understand any of this, but I do know that they sound very interesting. Um, ten years ago, you say? Oh, yes, about is, that is about there, that time. Is there a, 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 a town historian that might be able to tell us more about this horrible deeds that the Moradinians, Moradinians did? Oh, yes, of course. Moradinites? Uh, town historian would be, uh, um, bought this. Several uh, museums down in the in the area, in various corners of the of the area. But if you really want to talk to an expert, somebody who truly knows about uh, all the horrible deeds of of Morden and all the wondrous deeds of Grimsh, well, you should talk to Lord Blancmere. He's in fact the expert uh, that has truly brought a lot of enlightenment to to our city uh, around uh. the subject. 
I love Lord Blankmere so oh, much. Me He's too. Wonderful. Um, did you attend his speech and sermon? Uh, um, the last, uh, the last moonset. Remind me what he spoke of. Oh well, he went on and on about how it is our duty to help bring in all of the the tribes from the orcs in the, in the outer areas and and help foster a peace. Uh, the king was quite moved. That sounds pretty good. Oh yes, I forgot the king was there. Wait, you the were king, there? The king? Does the king always? I'm on to something here. Is the king, does, did he go to, does he go to all of Lord Blancmere's presentations? Well, sentence? Lord Blancmere is 10th in line for the throne, uh, you know. So the king and, and he have a, a, well, my understanding is a pretty buddy-buddy relationship, especially over the last couple of years. The last 10 years. Oh, yes, certainly. Uh, I mean, Lord Blancmere has brought great prosperity to the kingdom. The king certainly sees his contributions. Let's say we wanted to, you know, um, punish those that were here ten years ago and who left and were somewhere around in the greater area, and we wanted to go punish them and not ask them any questions about what actually happened ten years ago, but punish them with our Groomsh-loving oh, You mean the remaining Temple of Morden? Yes. Oh, of course. And punish them. Ah, yeah, then, indeed, brother, you shall um, uh, be able to bring Groomsh into their hearts as Wonderful. well. Wonderful. Um, the remaining Temple of Morden, I believe, is on the on the other side of town. Well, I, I don't think Thrain would be okay with this plan. Oh, he used to love Morden. He sometimes forgets about how good Groomsh is. By Morden's beard. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he still has it. We're going to blend in with the Moradinites because he still looks like a Moradinite. Dwayne, what is... I'm not sure if I trust this fellow over here, but you seem like a perfectly trustworthy fellow, so if you're going to go deliver some, some heartfelt sermons and maybe some uh, a little bit of justice for their drunken drunken activities, then I say more power to you. Uh, go and visit those uh, Moradins and finally drive them out of the city. Perfect. Wonderful to meet you. I'll stop by your fish cart. Later. Oh, wonderful. Um, uh, good good groomsh to you. Good groomsh to you. May groomsh be with you. Uh, and with you, sir. Thrain, what is wrong with Shusha's neck and eyes? We'll talk about it later. <laughs> <laughs> um, this uh, becomes sort of a reoccurring experience, and I wonder whether or not Thrain would uh, eventually cover up No, of course not. Thrain um, is god he, God was with me. He does. He does continue to receive uh, um, sort of. Moradin uh, will protect me. A not great treatment from Moradin. from all the people of the city as Moradin, as, uh, as Moradin he will through. protect me. Um, Shush, Shush, now that you're wearing a symbol of Grooms, you can see the people treat you uh, just a little bit better. Um, and uh, <laughs> Grolo, even though you're not wearing any particular symbol, se- people are seeming to um, assume that you must be a follower of Grooms, maybe because of your uh, orc right. heritage. Uh, so, are we all now? Converting to Grushism? Is that what we're doing? Shush. What would be better? <laughs> Should I tell Grolo yes or no? That's a good question. Uh, I, I mean, I think so. I think you can explain sub, that there is subterfuge that you're trying to do. It's mm-hmm. just that he's terrible at picking up cues uh-huh. on the fly. I got it. Okay. Yeah, well, that's still, that's still not good guidance. <laughs> well, but it's it's like it's like you can say like, "No, listen." So, just so, try, you know, like So, okay. as a character, you you have to figure out if you can can totally convince him. Right. Cuz it's probably a ruse he's going to have to keep up. Right. That's true. Uh, but at the same time, it could bite us in the ass. This is, you know, this is the banner snatch moment right now. <laughs> to choose your own adventure cuz it's like if you do it, you know, 
Adam's going to figure out some scenario <laughs> where he's going to, you know, so I, uh, I, I'm just so out of my mind right now to see dwarf, a dwarf, let alone so, several others, worshiping Groomsh is just like, I can't even think. So, so I'm gonna Thrain leave. <laughs> would be able to help out in this moment normally, but right now he's... Yeah, he's, so he's too, I, I, you say... Uh, are we really following? Are we now? really? Is this what we're converting to? And Shush will kind of look over at Thrain, who is obviously like not gonna give any input like, here. Does Thrain does Thrain have like a nervous thing he does, <laughs> like when he's this like upset or overwhelmed? Like does he like do like a like he a, plays like with his or, he plays or, with or like his his uh, strokes his beard strokes his Moradin uh, holy symbol that's <laughs> right. on his neck. He's just like <laughs> give me hope, see me through this difficult time. Yeah, perfect. Uh, if if Thrain's not gonna help, then I think Shush is just gonna like like whisper in in Grolo's ear. Mm-hmm. We're pretending to follow Groomsh because it looks like most of the people in this town follow Groomsh. That's oh. weird, but we don't want to be enemies. We want to look like friends. So we're gonna oh. when asked, say you follow Groomsh. Okay, unless we're in a temple to Moradin, in which case. Oh God. We should not pretend to follow Groomsh. We pretend nothing, and we will uh. be ourselves. And so, I'll give you a cue. I'll what? pull. I'll pull twice on my ear. Oh God! If you are supposed <laughs> to follow Groomsh, I think we're. Sup- and if you're not, if I'm not pulling on my ear, then you're yourself. Well, oh, okay. I, I I'm pretty Great. sure I got that. Let's practice. And I'm pulling my ear. Um, who do you worship? Uh. uh. Moradin? No, no. But pulling oh, on the right. ear means Groomsh. Right. Groomsh. Fantastic. Who do you follow? I'm not pulling my ear. Gro- Groomsh, I said. Okay. It's fine. <laughs> Until I pull my ear again, you're following Groomsh. Perfect. It's an on switch, okay. off switch thing. Okay. <laughs> All right. And and can I get one of those nifty pins? Yes. Take mine. <laughs> oh, thank you. That will be your Great. Angle. Look, I got a nice new pin. By Moradin's beard. <laughs> um, so uh, the the experience that you have, and Nicholas doesn't seem phased by any of this. Um, he's like, um, oh, I thought I thought that you guys knew about the whole Groomsh thing. Like it's totally uh, infiltrated, like the whole city. They they're nuts about the whole thing. I figured you were, I don't know, uh, going to be prepared for it or whatever. Not prepared. Oh well. Uh, I, I'm not. I'm not uh, super religious either way. Um, uh, but uh, uh, I will say the tenets of Groom stuff that they t- seem to talk about. He seems like a real friendly guy. What time of the day is it right now, Ish? Um, it's. Um, uh, I guess we'll say you guys got in in the morning. So, so there's enough time for you to, if you want to catch the sermon, you can do that. Uh, you could also head to uh, the Temple of Moradin, uh, the place where um, Nicholas is taking you. The the pawn shop is is reasonably close to the Temple of Moradin, so you could go visit there, or you could visit the pawn shop first. The choice is sort of up to you. I vote for going to the Temple of Moradin. That's what you would do. <laughs> yeah, I I want to see the sermon and see what the deal is. Shall we split the party? That, I think that's a table table, table rule. <laughs> Normally to, I have a table rule against splitting the party. Um, in this particular case, if all you want to do is, is see the sermon and, and get a sense, um, we, can totally, we can totally split up the party if you want. Find to. me at the Temple of Moradin. Um, so um, what I'm going to have you guys do is, um, let's see, you're going, you're going to the Temple of Moradin. Um, Unless you think we could realistically, how long is the sermon, I guess? Um, they're probably about an hour. Okay. 
Uh, I'm trying to find out if it's if he's like it's you know he's ensorcelating the audience. Yeah. So well, if I don't come back, it means I'm now a follower of Grimsh. I also think you would probably not want me around. You know what I mean? But you you are like my. But, but I would I would muscle. probably follow Thrain first. Well, I'm also trying to think like if we should actually stick together too. Um, uh, so I think it'd be better to have Grolo around than have Thrain around at the. Temple of Groomswell. Oh no, absolutely. All no, no. I meant, are like, I meant if, I I meant if Thrain was gonna go to the Morden thing, yeah. My inclination would probably be like, well, I'll I'll follow Thrain or something like that, right? Yeah. Unless you give me a compelling argument to stay around, because I'm certainly not like dying to listen to a sermon, right? So. <laughs> right. No, you're just kind of like my. I, I kind of got excited about the little pin. Yeah. And now we're doing this groomsh thing. But everybody and, loves you. Right, right. So I'm getting some positive attention. I might need that pin back. Oh, right, all right. So right. I could look. Okay, I see what you're saying. All right. So you could probably get me interested that way. That's true. But I also know that if they are ensorcelating everybody, you're going to be easier to ensorcelate. And I don't really want you to. Yeah. No, actually, he. I think he has an okay will save. He's just not smart. Yeah. Um, okay, we'll go, we'll go to the sermon together. Because um, right. either or, I I mean, the Moradin Temple is a safe place, but I also have a bone to pick with these yeah. with these Groomsh people, so I, I have no problem walking in there. Moradin will save me. So I think this is largely pretty obvious, but I'm going to have everybody roll out a religion check. Uh, I probably failed. I got to roll, roll a three. You can, you can roll yours with advantage, actually, Kirk. Oh, okay. What are we checking? So I rolled a so religion is a skill. So you can yeah, yeah, you can no, add I, I'm saying I rolled a ten. Okay, cool. Um, so this is just this is just to to judge what kind of your character knows about these two religions. I got a okay. nine, nine, and then what did you end up getting? Max is six. Okay. Um, uh, I'll I'll give that that Thrain. You know a little bit more just based on what you would would need to know as a as a cleric of of okay. Morden. You know Morden's Morden's teachings very well. Yeah. Um uh what you know of Groomsh is Morden Morden and Groomsh have always been been at odds with each other. <laughs> That's always been true. Um in general it's it's assumed that Groomsh is um a bad guy. He's like usually considered a very evil god um uh who does a lot of bad stuff. Yeah, they're the classic rivals between the orcs and the and the dwarves between right. lawful good and chaotic evil, and, and Grimsh is often a big driving force in many of the like orc raids and and orc uh, religious practices that have a tendency to be ex- especially brutal and especially um, savage, and um, certainly um, uh, in the attacks that they have done on many um, dwarven cities and dwarven towns, yeah. have been in the name of Grimsh, yeah, for um, for eons, for for a very very long time uh, since. Since back before anybody can remember a time where where uh, orcs and dwarves existed, Groomsh and uh, Morden have been yeah. uh, religions at odds. And normally, Groomsh temples wouldn't even be in a city; it'd be like practiced in some you know back plane and you know being hidden in the wow. woods. Because, yeah. So this must be hitting you like a ton of bricks. Yeah, it's like it's like uh, <laughs> the, it's like Italy suddenly becoming Satan worshippers. You yeah, know, yeah. like the Vatican City <laughs> is like there's no more Catholicism. Yeah, it's all and Satan. Satan temples. Like yeah. that. <laughs> Um, so, um, for the for the two of you, you know uh, specifically a little bit more about the tenets of Grooms, the actual uh, tenets that you have heard from from other places, and they tend to be things like strength and prosperity. But usually, prosperity literally means like making lots of kids. 
um, and um, uh, specifically um, uh, Groomsh destroying uh, all of their enemies. Um, uh, the the idea of like um, raiding towns and destroying uh, um, other peoples is a big tenet of Groomsh's um, uh, usual his message. Um, so those those are all the messages you guys are aware of. Um, uh, from outside the city. But um, as you walk in to the Temple of Grimsh, uh you can see it does indeed have uh, a large statue out front. In fact, it appears to be a statue depicting um, Grimsh himself. Grimsh is an orc who stands um, uh, probably about... Well, the statue is is uh, 12 or 15 feet high. Um, and uh, Grimsh stands with a, a massive spear that he holds. Um, and normally Grimsh statues are... are if, if you've ever seen one, uh, they would be like... Um, uh, kind of brutal and, and kind of uh, uh, grooms like like has a grimace and, and a, a scowl on his face and in this one he's like holding out a hand like he's being welcoming um, and he's got like a smile on his face with with um, his tusks kind of kind of poking out um, and uh, uh, you can see he has his classic um, demeanor which is a single eye Grimsh has only one eye and that's part of the storyline of Grimsh which is that uh, there's lots of ways to interpret it but um, that he lost his eye in in uh, a battle with another god um, mm. and some people depict him with like an eye with an eye patch and some people depict him as a cyclops um, orc um, and you can see some this particular church uh, depicts him as a cyclops orc. cyclops okay um, uh, and uh, he seems to be sort of welcoming people into the to the center courtyard and as you walk in you can see there's a there's a beautiful um, stained glass mural uh, of Groomsh that appears I spit to be at the feet of the statue. Um, th- there's lots of people kind of rushing in. So, so um, uh, are you still wearing the yeah. the symbols of, of Morden? Morden um, will save me. Uh, nobody uh, like stops you from coming in, but there are pe- some people who like rush past you and like and like hit you with their shoulders or or like uh, shove you or nudge you for for walking in while wearing uh, symbols of Morden. I've seen worse. I don't think you should go inside. I'm going inside. Um, you can even hear people mumbling, like, like, um, uh, go back to your tavern, dwarf. Uh, I'm going inside. Like Drain, this this place looks pretty, actually. I, I didn't realize Grimsh had such pretty temples. Don't be deceived. There's a, um, uh, the stained glass depiction appears to be Grimsh, like, handing food to starving children uh, while holding his, his spear at his side. Um, actually, oh wait, I'll, I'll do that one even better. Uh, it's him handing food to starving children while stabbing enemies with uh, with, <laughs> with his uh, spear from the other side, like he's protecting them. It's very tasteful. Um, uh, it's it's a nice stained glass piece. Um, <laughs> I didn't know Grooms was getting so kind. Don't be deceived, girl. Though, um, as you as you come into the temple, um, uh, you take a seat in the back, mostly because. Um, uh, people kind of crowd you into into taking a seat in the back, whether whether or not you like it, um, because of the the symbols of Morden. Um, you hear the sermon, um, so uh, you don't need to roll any any uh, checks for this. Uh, the sermon is mostly kind of mundane. Um, there's no magical ensorceling that's happening here. People are sort of worshiping Groomsh, and they seem to be doing it because the sermon is like 
restoring all of the stuff for be for kind groups. to your neighbors all that kind yeah of it's, it's it's basically like like um uh you have inner rage that makes you powerful but use it in order to fuel yourself and and your your uh, uh search for inner peace like it's it like takes all the all the premises and, and ideas of of groomsh and it it like turns them on their on their heads and restories the whole thing to be like a positive neighborly um uh idea that that groomsh is is promoting here i pray to moradin to give me guidance during my most difficult hour um uh, i will give you that um uh you still you still have your connection to moradin uh but uh in this place and in this um city especially it feels weak um it feels like it's it's a it's a hard pull to get that to get that um feeling of of your connection to to Moradin. It's still there. You can still pull on it. Um but but boy it takes a lot more effort uh now than it does in when you when you were traveling on the on the ship or when you were traveling uh outside the city. That's um, the reason. Uh, it's definitely singing, muffled here. Are they singing songs? Uh yes. So I I start so Grollo starts getting kind of pulled into this because I mean he he doesn't like the Groomsh backstory, but he's like, "Oh, this seems pretty nice," and then he likes music, and so and so he kind of starts singing along a little bit, like he doesn't know the words. He's like, rah, rah, "Kind to others," and, and they're like like classic church songs where they're like really easy to pick up um, right. and really easy to to Holding join in hands. Right. With grooms and I like, <laughs> look over at Thrain and smile. Hey, <laughs> Morden's beard give me strength. <laughs> um, it's hard for you to listen to Thrain. It's it's definitely the whole thing. Not only is it clearly wrong uh, about everything, some of the stuff is like is like stuff they just made up. Some of it's right. not even I mean, not even like Groom's stories. There's uh, even a story in there that you're almost certain is a story about Moradin yeah. that they just put Groomsh into Moradin's <laughs> Right, That's why I'm I'm actually less concerned because these people are basically worshipping what they think to be a good god, a yeah. just god, and that's less concerning to me. They just have grafted a wrong name on, on it. So it's less bothersome to me. It's still a massive concern, mm-hmm. but it's I'm not like worried this entire town has turned to evil, you know. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and maybe maybe that's like like the the one solace that that Thrain kind of holds on to through through this experience. Yeah, it's still quite upsetting. Um, they do pass around the the um, sort of collection plate um, and and gather money, and people are are reasonably generous with their with their funds and, and what they give to to Grumsh. Um, when it uh, comes around, uh, the person who's giving the sermon who's who's just a human uh but he's giving this this um uh very nice sermon about uh, a god that is usually pretty evil um and when the when the plate starts getting passed around he reminds the all the um, partitioners that the taxes on the churches have gone gone up um and that the um money that they give helps to make sure that their church is, is well maintained um and even though those taxes have gone up they know they can rely on the the people of the city to help uh, to help uh, with that experience, I think I'm about to grab like three gold. I go no, Grolo. Uh, <laughs> but it sounds so good. <laughs> Don't be deceived, Grolo. It's everything shoes can do not to try to steal a couple of coins out of the. Yeah, I guess, I guess Nicholas would give it a shot. Yeah, actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna roll. Is he for still Nicholas. in his Guar outfit too? Yeah, he totally is. Uh, he stands out too, but frankly, next to Thrain, like nobody cares. <laughs> Uh, he got a two. Uh, Thrain, you absolutely see him like like grabbing money off the plate. I go, no. Yeah, I was gonna say, 
Would Thrain stop him? He's stealing yeah, money from the church. Look, I've, wrong, <laughs> I've been in other temples before, <laughs> uh, even temples that I wasn't super appreciate. Not Groomsh, but like you know, there's other neutral and slightly more devious temples that I've been around. So I, I understand how to play nice in other people's religions. Um, so I'm, you know, and I'm like, this is just so confusing. But no, I, I'm not. You can't steal. Plus, it's not good PR if someone f- sees him do that. It's not. Yeah, that's good. true. That that's something that will get you <laughs> uh, I, so super kicked out of the the church. I um I one of the stories they were telling the one that was like directly ripped off from a Morin story. Like I don't know that, but I'm like, but Thrain, did you hear the part about the you know? And I, I like it's it's uh, we'll say it, it it was literally groom's crafted weapons to defend against yeah. a great evil, did which is hear? literally like a thing Moradin would do. Yeah. Gro- Grolo, I've told you that story before. Moradin oh, achieved that greatness. I knew it sounded familiar. They are they are deceiving the crowds. Oh. Um, Resist. Use your use your in- intellect, your superior mind. All right. Okay. Okay. Hey, shush. That thing we were doing with the pulling of the ear... Um, I I don't know if I want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> who do you who do you worship? Uh, uh, well, I don't. Moradin. Yeah. I, the the person who's like sitting next to you on the bench is like, is like, <laughs> is like giving you like a like what what are you talking about? <laughs> and they're they're like, <clears throat> um, and like trying to like turn away from you or all oh, right. Uh, yeah. Uh. <clears throat> Groomsh! That's right. Groomsh is, yes. is who I worship. Here in this room. <laughs> what is wrong with your eye? I'm closing one of them. <laughs> so you will know that I'm having words that mean opposite of what I'm trying to say. Oh. Yes. Oh, this. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um. Either way, <laughs> the sermon comes to an end. They're winking at each other. <laughs> they just, they just yeah. spend the rest like, going, uh, sermon oh, trying Because Gorilla kind of likes the feeling of winking. <laughs> you guys, I think Gorilla's discovering some new sensual <laughs> yeah. Yeah, a lot of sensation stuff that Gorilla's picking up. <laughs> Have you ever tried winking in a zone of truth? <laughs> Um, the sermon comes to an end, and everybody kind of kind of uh, uh, leaves leaves the church and and says a uh, good groomsh to you, and and uh, may gro- may groomsh be with you, and things like that. <laughs> oh, no. um, some people kind of mumble those things in your direction as well, but they're uh, reasonably put off by both uh, your conversation and and the fact that you're traveling with somebody from Morden. Right. So um, so they uh, they kind of mumble it and then kind of move on move on with their stuff. Nobody wants to like attack you or anything like that. Um, they're kind of uh, I guess hoping that you'll go away um, more than more than anything else. Right. So, yeah. As you as you leave the Temple of Grimsh, I want everybody to roll me a perception check. Twenty one. Nice. That's awesome. Fifteen. Wow. Those are all pretty good. Um, Thrain, you notice this first um, at the very um, base of the temple of the statue of Grimsh. Uh, with his hand stretched out. Next to my spit? Uh, next to your spit. Uh, maybe you, you look to make sure your spit's still there. Um, so <laughs> you don't have to waste spit. another one. Um, 
you can see that there's there is. Yeah, like, I was getting a really good dwarf loogie. <laughs> <laughs> You're build, building it up, really want to, yeah, yeah. really want to deliver like it. the whole sermon. Working it out there. Um, uh, as you as you come up to that spot, ready to to huck your your spectacular loogie onto it, uh, you can see that there's like a little pedestal. It's designed to leave. Uh, um, things for for the temple or something along those lines, um, and there are a couple of things on there. There's like flowers and, and things like that. Um, but underneath the pedestal, um, you can see there are red stains uh, that uh, are are uh, seem to be sort of seeped into some of the the rock there, some of some of the um, stonework, um, and. At first, you wouldn't have noticed them. It looks like somebody like did it did a pretty good job cleaning them up. But some of the stains are, are still there, kind of seeped into the cracks, um, and you can see it definitely looks like blood. Um, it, it's not something that um, any of the normal uh, practitioners would have probably noticed. It's only only because you like really want to make sure to spit all over this thing that you that you even catch it at all. Um, but it definitely has that reminiscent idea that it's probably blood seeped into those mm. into those cracks. Well, first I release my loogie in a glorious fashion. It is truly glorious. Yeah. <laughs> it like has bass as it comes out. Yeah, you know, it's like a like a thoof. yeah, and yeah. you hear you Whoa. hear like a yeah, like a like a full full splat. Noise. That's impressive, Thrain. Uh, so I uh, take an I take a closer look. Actually, I just sort of kind of not. I try not to look like I'm checking it out, but I try to in my dwarf fashion just. Tr- Try to look even take maybe a half circle around checking it out to see if I can see anything more from from the angle it actually kind of looks like you're praying to groups so nobody really bothers you um, uh, as you're like leaning down at the at the foot of the statue um, it looks like there's there's blood it's it just seems to be um, seeped into some of the cracks like somebody uh, cleaned up a lot of the blood and this is what they couldn't get to mm. um, right. and so it, but it looks reasonably fresh. In fact, with the 21, I'll give you um, that you see a couple of different spots, and there's some more fresh blood and some, like, clearly not fresh blood. Mm. Um, there's sort of a, a mix, uh, like, um, whatever caused blood to be here happened on multiple occasions. Do I know anything Yikes. about Groomsh and Sacrifice? Uh, yes. Um, you would know Sacrifice is a big part of Groomsh. Your uh, enemies or your, or uh, your yes, own? Yes. Um, even all of the- even uh, your fellow teammates... If they display weakness, yeah. um, it is your job to cull the the um, herd so that Grumsh only displays strength. Um, so uh, you know that like orcs and tribes uh, will a hundred percent kill the leader if they think they can take over leadership, um, and they will kill um, younger and and less uh, capable other orcs um, if they display any level of uh, weakness that they think might reflect uh, badly on Grumsh, but certainly. Poorly for battle. Okay. So, are it's, we walking away? Yeah, you, there's there's nothing more to really be gained by that. I wanted to give you that. Do you that point that out to the yes. rest of us? So, Shush and Grolo, <clears throat> I saw the evidence that these Groomshiites are sacrificing their weak and their enemies in the way that Groomsh followers do in the open plains <sighs> with the orcs. And it appears that they might be cleaning it up in an attempt to hide their tracks. There's prob- they're probably doing it when the sun is set and the and the evil falls upon the city. I suspect nighttime might be dangerous for us. 
But they were saying such pretty things. All deception and lies. What if they come for you, for us? We will stand and Moradin will save us. I don't know if that's... Have faith. True. I... Do you, could you tell with the blood, like, last night, ten years ago? Recently, probably last night. Oh, my. Mm. Well, um, I suppose we should go to the Temple of Moradin, then. Yes. Um, cool. You guys head to the to the Temple of Moradin. Um, it's still early in the day. Um, you uh, travel across the city. A uh, city's large enough; it takes you quite a long time to get to the the other side of the city. It's a good thing that the that the pawn shop's actually on the in the same kind of area. Um, the you area know, that, like rickshaw, we could hire. Oh, uh, you could you could hire rickshaw. Like, <laughs> cut, cut some of your time down. Do you guys want to hire a rickshaw or, sure. or a cart or something? Sure. Um, cool. Um, uh, I'll say it costs a gold. Uh, it doesn't cost a crazy amount of money to to travel to the the other side of the city. Well, it's on Grolo. All right, <laughs> I've got this one. Uh, you hire a very. Do you want to hire a cart or a rickshaw? Whoa, what's nicer? The cart is nicer. Uh, I like the cart. Um, it's a little more comfortable. Grolo, uh, would you pick the white painted cart? Or the brown painted cart. The brown painted cart. Okay, uh, you pick a cart uh, to take you to the other side of the of the town. The cart is a. Um, it appears to be sort of a um, a shipping cart, uh, like they ship uh, goods from from one side of town to the other. But they take on passengers when they have when they have uh, too too light a, a thing. Um, so you're literally sitting in a cart with uh, a bunch of goats. <laughs> um, so you're you're like traveling along down the down the thing, and there's some goats that are like getting in your way as you're trying to have conversation with, with each other. Um, but it's reasonably cheap, uh, and some of the other stuff would have been a lot more expensive. Nice, so. Grolo, don't eat them. Uh, but they look so yummy. Nah. Um, uh, the goat kind of um, uh, takes a bite out of out of uh, some of the cloth hanging off of <laughs> Grolo's clothes and starts eating it. Uh. It's eating me. <laughs> I should be able to eat it. It's we have to buy it. We don't have time for such things. We will have a feast later. Can we take some back to the domicile? Uh, we'd have to cook it. I'm sure they have people that can cook such things. By the way, Grolo now believes that domicile is a simile <laughs> is a synonym for boat. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. Um, that's perfect. Um, uh, you you guys pull up to. You're just uh, trying to go back through the truth booth. Yeah, <laughs> just trying to get trying to get another hit. Um, as you pull up to the Temple of Morden, uh, the cart's like not keen to wait around. Uh, the neighborhood is not a nice neighborhood. Um, you're in like a pretty sleazy part of town, and there's a lot more um, rundown buildings here, and there's a lot more. Um, the street's not as well maintained. Uh, it's definitely you're uh, you're in the poor part of town. Um, and uh, as you pull up to the Temple of Morden, uh, there's a bunch of paint on the side of the wall um, that says, like, um, go home uh, hammers, uh, which seems to be sort of a slang term for uh, for Moradinites. Um, and, it, and you can see that there's, like, a, a, um, a worshiper of Morden who seems to be trying to 
uh, clean the paint off the off the side of the wall um, as they're doing their best. Um, this is probably this is easily the most rundown Temple of Morden you've ever seen in your life. Yeah. Um, they're like barely holding it together. It's clear that they don't have a lot of money. They don't have a lot of uh, worshippers. You've seen Temples of Morden in the middle of the country, uh, way better maintained than this place. Yeah. Um, and uh, as you come in, you can see the the pews and the the um, uh, spaces. There's just not a lot of people there. Um, there's a few that are sort of hanging out, and they seem to be um, older dwarves who who clearly are are uh, worshippers of Morden. Um, and you, they're not in the middle of a sermon at the moment, but you can see that there's a there's a cleric, a, a priest of Morden, who is um, uh, up in the in the front area, sort of cleaning up uh, what appears to be some broken glass that uh, that's uh, sort of hang. Uh, he seems to be sweeping up on his own uh, up at the front part of the Temple Morden. He doesn't really see you come in um, as the uh, door is sort of broken and hanging off of its hinges from the front area, so he never hears the door open. Uh, so as you as you walk in, you can uh, basically sneak up on him because he's. He's not paying that much attention to you. Thrain, this place looks terrible. Indeed it does. Not as nice as those other temples. Indeed it doesn't. I thought your temples were supposed to be nice. Indeed they should. Master Priest, we Uh, have come long, we've come from a far place (laughs) to to come to uh, uh, find such a terrible thing in this town. Uh, He he looks up at you and seems, his, his face just lights up. Uh, so happy to see a, a cleric of Morden uh, coming into his temple, um, and he uh, uh, drops drops his um, uh, broom and his uh, stuff that he was using to clean up the glass, and he, he goes, um, "Oh, I gotta get this accent right." Um, oh, it's wonderful for you to come in here and, and uh, grace us with your presence. Thank you so much for, for coming and visiting the, the Church of Moradin. Can I get you some water or something along those lines? I should ask you this. Uh, you have been suffering in as a beacon of hope in a vast sea of evil groups, worshipers. The fact that you have uh, sustained your worship and your temple... Uh, in, in such odds, uh, I should be the one bringing you things, sir. Um, he he um, uh, uh, sort of looks at you warmly, and he says, Oh, what nice words to be saying uh, to uh, uh, an individual such as myself. It's true that times have been hard. And he takes like a long look, kind of looking around his own, uh, his own church, and he goes, Well, maybe harder than they have been in the past. Uh, but I, I appreciate your presence here, and... And uh, any any um, good doer along with the Church of Moradin is a is a, a welcome presence in the, into our church here. And don't be alarmed by the Grimsh symbols. We they're only a, a, a wearing them to fit in. They do not follow the evil Grimsh. Uh, I was uh, a, a bit alarmed. Um, uh, you're not followers of Grimsh. Uh, we, we are. Yes, he, uh, they're deceiving. Not. We're not the followers of oh, Grimsh. Right, no, no, oh, right, no, no, we're not. Uh, he says, the, the plate's already been given to the taxman. We can't, yeah, there's nothing to steal. There's nothing here to steal. Is we're he not af- here to steal, sir. Is he afraid of, of Grolo? Uh, yeah, he does He yeah. does look look a little afraid of Grolo like uh, like you might. Actually, if you're, if you're still wearing the symbol of Grimsh, he looks yeah. a little afraid of Grolo. Oh, I have the little symbol. Oh, yeah, then he, then he definitely like, like, um, looks a little like he's, he's holding his hands up. Like, and like I you're just gonna said I was a Grolo supporter. Yeah. Or a Grimsh supporter. Yeah. Uh, and, and he, he kind of moves behind, uh, Thrain a little bit, like Thrain's going to protect him from, uh, from, uh, Grolo and, and... You have nothing to fear. Grolo is a old friend of mine, and although he comes from half of 
the race of groups, he is a good he's a good soul. Oh, uh, sorry, I I forgot we were doing a thing. Oh, oh, never mind. I'm not doing a thing. You're not doing a thing. You're fine. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, you watch. You watch Nicholas kind of put his head into his hands. <laughs> so every time that you're not. For those of you who can't see what's happening, every time Shush pulls on his earlobe, Grolo flips whatever he just said, even though he's not supposed to. <laughs> Um, uh, he, the priest, um, introduces himself, um, and I need a name for this priest. Kirk, would you give me a, a letter? Uh, would be a good dwarf? D. R. E. Uh, uh, G. A? Oh, that's actually pretty good. Uh, we'll go with Draga. Uh, he says... Um, welcome to the welcome to the church of oh wait. Um, welcome to the church of uh, Morden. Uh, I, I welcome anyone so long as they aren't going to um, do things bad for the church or steal stuff or break any more of our windows. Oh, uh, no. So I'll welcome you too, young man. Yeah, I don't intend to do any of that. Uh, it's greatly appreciated. What happened? Um. Well, it seems like uh, you've you've not been here in a long time. Not for twenty years. Ah. Um, let me give you a little bit of a rundown. Uh, since I've been doing this for so long, he invites you into into a back room where he's got like a little, very simple um, uh, bedroll and a very simple like desk. Um, and he pulls out uh, like a book. It's it's like a journal that he that he's been maintaining for for some time. Um, and he tells you a little about um, the history of. Uh, what's happened over the last ten years? Um, and I'm not I'm not gonna role play the the whole of this, uh, but what he basically gives you is about ten ten maybe eleven years ago, um, Lord Blancmere basically showed up and started uh, this campaign. Uh, the campaign basically um, included uh, he would go around and give these sermons about a need for accepting uh, many perspectives and many races. And his specialty had had been orcs for a long, long time. Um, and he said that uh, on a recent expedition, he found uh, a bunch. He unearthed a bunch of extra tomes, tomes uh, about the history of Grumsh. Um and brought with brought them with him and basically distributed them throughout the city. And the tombs uh, basically told these stories about Grumsh as, as this good guy. And at first, the Temple of, of Moradin was, like, unhappy about it, but they, you know, weren't going to go around telling people um, you're not allowed to worship some other god that's the, whose tenets seem to be pretty good. Um, so they kind of didn't do anything. Um, but then something strange happened. Um, about two years later, uh, the churches of, of Grooms started uh, cropping up more and more. Um, and then all of a sudden, there was this sort of set of rumors that started going around that Moradin was bad. Um, and some of the stories that started coming up, um, read from the supposedly from the Grooms books, started depicting Moradin as as this really negative influence, both on youth and on on uh, um, older dwarves and, and some extra quote-unquote tenets that um, Moradin did. And of course, the Church of Moradin fought back. Uh, they they um, upped their, their presence in the community. They tried to do as much as they could, um, which worked for a little while until um, a bunch of the heads of churches started getting arrested. And they were getting arrested for all sorts of stuff. They were getting arrested for, like, starting 
bar fights that they clearly never started or oh, they were boy. getting arrested for um, in some cases like <laughs> underground dealings um, and uh, smuggling money away from, from the people and away from the churches uh, for uh, buying uh, their own wealthy estates and, and things like that. Um, and some of it went went uh, um, uh, unproven um, but the the individual who led the church was never sort of brought up on charges and so it wound up just being a rumor that just hurt the church overall and over the course of, of, of the long length of time eventually this uh, eroded the presence of Moradin within the, the city and, and brought about this sort of weird prosperous place where Grumsh is, is strongly worshipped um, and he says the whole thing happened over such a long period of time that it was it was hard to keep on track of and then once they started losing church uh, the heads of church for, for Moradin there wasn't much they could do are there heads of church of Moradin imprisoned? Um, he says, I, um, there are at least a few of my, my colleagues who uh, sit in rotten jail right now uh, underneath the capital. Um, there's nothing that we could do about it. We've brought everything we could to the, to the king to plead for their, for their um, release. Uh, but the charges that were brought to them were, well, too great for us to, to provide evidence towards or against. Who did the king worship before Lord Blancmere showed up? Um, well, the king doesn't have an official stance on on any of his worship, and he never worshipped anybody before either. Um, he's not uh, an official supporter of of Grumsh, but he does attend a lot of the sermons that Lord Blancmere puts up. Um, a lot of people have accused him of being kind of a uh, orc sympathizer, which was a problem up until well, everybody was. They accused him of being an orc sympathizer before Lord Blancmere came up came around. No, that wasn't until afterwards. Oh. Um, but over the last um, uh, five years, nobody seems to care anymore. Was the king a good king before Lord Blackmere showed up? Uh, I would go so far as to say the king's always been a good king. Uh, he, in fact, just brokered a peace with a nearby um, uh, uh, country that we've been at odds with for a long time. Uh, the king's always been had a had a strong stance of of peace within the the kingdom, um, and I must admit, even though the city here seems pretty bleak for all the followers of Morden, the reports I'm getting from outside the city say that this is a a prosperous time. Uh, we've never seen such a time of peace for such a long time. Have you ever had any parishioners disappear in the middle of the night mysteriously? Uh, more than more than I can say. Um, but how many of them are due to uh, attacks on on Moradin uh, from the people of the city? I I couldn't tell you. If if Moradin is guiding me uh, correctly, which you know he always does, I'm sorry to say that the Grumpsh followers have been sacrificing our followers in the middle of the night at their temples. Um, They're spilling our blood and killing us. Uh, he he looks kind of horrified by the by the idea, um, and then. He seems to sort of settle into complacency, um, and he says, it does make a lot of sense, but frankly, nobody trusts us in the city anymore. I don't know what I would do about it even if I had something to point it to. If you had evidence, if you had hard evidence, um, maybe we could do something with that. Um, I don't think the, the guards corrupted. I just think that they've followed by the will of the people. Well, we could use that little funny booth and put the put the priests in there or something. Uh, I don't know what funny booth you're talking about. The truth booth. Oh, um, I, I guess so. Uh, it's really only used for customs. 
I'm worried about you and your parishioners. Uh, on one hand, I think this town needs a beacon of hope and truth. So I commend you for staying, and I think you should stay. But on the other hand, I worry for your for your lives. Um, uh, he he kind of he's he's an older dwarf, and he's clearly like much much older than than Thrain is. Uh, but he puts like a, a a warm and gentle hand on on Thrain's shoulder, and he says, um, "I've survived the hard times and the thin times uh, just as much as I I've survived the the prosperous ones. Um, I I don't intend to be driven out of this city any more than." than anybody else and i keep to myself most of the time these days so there's not much to pin on me um i have had to give up my favorite drinking holes uh just because of the well you know the messages uh but this point remains i will be here and my church will remain so long as i'm here to guide it well among all the dwarves in this town you're the only dwarf i know in this town ah uh, and he and he uh, um, grips you by both shoulders and, and like ha- gives you a, a hearty uh, like shake um, and then hugs you. Uh, and he goes, uh, "Your worship and your support means more than you can ever know." Uh. Mm. <laughs> I grab the pin. I'm like I don't think I want this thing anymore. Right, I'll hold it. So we need a conference. So what should we do? Oh, Thrain, you were right about these people. This seems horrible. Um, well, we it have is to, horrible. We have to go to the pawnbroker. Yeah. It's only just down the street from here. And then I think we should watch the statue at night. Yeah, I think yeah. so, too. If we they're sacrificing stake it out people, we need to save them. Yeah. yeah. True. Okay. Yeah. Um, perfect. Um, as you as you leave, the, the um, uh, Draga does give you... Um, some water to, to sort of part your, your th- uh, throats, and he says he can't spare much, but he offers you some bread um, as as well to, to have something to eat. Um, as, as uh, it's leave. a common practice of churches of Morden, if you're a priest of Morden, to, to offer you um, uh, food and and stay, even if you if you wanted to stay with them for free. Um, uh, so he offers all of those things as as is, as is common practice. As we leave, I put my pin back on, and I wink at both of them and say. You terrible followers of Moradin, good thing we're followers of Groomsh. And I pull on my ear. Mm. Uh, Getting back in character yeah. around the street. Yeah. Yeah, good for Groomsh. Yeah. Hooray. Um, and, I, and I painfully <laughs> wink back. <laughs> you got it. You're doing great. Uh, Dragon nods in an understanding way, but he also looks kind of sad. Uh, as you as you take on the the sort of accepted role in the in the community, um, but he he doesn't say anything back, and he kind of gives a, a small wave, um, and he nods in Thrain's direction uh, as as like an extra knowing nod of of the challenges ahead. Yeah. Um, as you get closer to the to the pawn shop, Nicholas um, uh, starts to rub his hands together together, and he goes, um, uh, "You know." Uh, Actually, Rappy actually owes me like a little bit of money, so I'm kind of happy that we're maybe going to go visit him. He does owe me for this job that we, we actually did, and since there were four other people, uh, I might get actually a pretty decent extra cut. You know, He doesn't have to split up any of the extra money from it, so uh, all things considered, I'm, I'm not sure this is the best place for me in this city, but I am a little happy to get a little extra money in my pocket. Mm. Uh, he goes, this place is just up here. Um, oh, one thing... Um, Rappy's got kind of a, well, a funny way of talking. Uh, he's a nice guy. He's nice enough, at least. Um, but he doesn't really like it if you make fun of the way that he talks. Um, 
you know, he's not all good at talking like a you and me and everybody. Right. Um, Duly noted. He nods and, and uh, he walks up to the, the window and you can see the pawn shop is uh, like it's got kind of dirty windows um, and you can't really see in very well. Um, but the instant that you get up to the to the front door, uh, all of a sudden Nicholas looks um, a little uh, 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 stricken, uh, like he goes a little pale um, and he uh, goes to, to pull the front door open. And it looks like the, the glass and the doorknob have broken on the on the front door. Um, and he uh, kind of looks over all three of you and he like pushes the door open a little and then backs up to let you walk in first. Uh, uh, that doesn't look good. Um, he goes, Rappy keeps a pretty good security system. He doesn't let this kind of thing happen. He maintains his door pretty well. I uh, take out my hammer and open it with my hammer. Um, it looks dark inside. Uh, normally there are sort of sconces and torches and things like that, so to, uh, keeping, the, keeping the place uh, well lit, you can tell they're all blown out. Um, uh, and, uh, well, there's lots of, there's tons of stuff in here. Um, and, uh, there, there are like weapons. It's a pawn shop. He, he, he takes in everything. You can see, uh, stuff that looks like junk and stuff that looks like it might be valuable. Um, and it's all scattered about, but you don't see anybody at the, at the front counter. And you can see there's a door, uh, behind the front counter. It kind of leads into a, a little back room area. Does it look looted? Um, no, it doesn't look, it doesn't look looted at all. Um, but definitely the door is broken and the lights are all out. Okay. So, Grolo, follow me. And Coming. I, I walk through and into the back. Um, I'll take up the lead, but I'll have um, our Guar-dressed friend between us so that he does not, he's not last. You're taking uh, the lead? No, I'm going to take the, up the rear. The okay. rear. Okay. I get my maul ready. Um, okay. Are you pulling out your weapon as my well? Rapier. Okay. Um, as you uh, make your way uh, into the back room, Thrain, um, it's not hard to notice uh, you you find your way into the back room and you can see there lying on the floor um, is a halfling and it looks like his throat has been slit. Um, and in fact, it looks like it happened fairly recently. Um, oh! Uh, you can see that he's um, that he's lying on the ground and clutching in his in his hand. Um, you can see a piece of torn cloth. Um, go ahead and roll me a uh, investigation check. Um, every, everybody can roll this. 15. 14. Uh, that's an 8. Um, Grolo and Thrain, uh, you recognize the, the torn cloth as being uh, a torn cloth. It's, it's a black cloth of a particular hardy material, and you've seen... You've seen this weave in cloth before. Uh, you saw it on the orc assassins that had come after you. Oh. Um, uh, it looks like Rappi is dead. Uh, he was clearly, his throat was cut, and he, he is bleeding out. Nicholas, is this your friend? Uh, I, I, it's, I try to heal him. Uh, he's, he is, he's gone. Oh, he's gone. Uh, yeah. Uh, if you, if you had been here maybe minutes before, you might have, you might have been able to, to catch him. Okay. Uh, but clearly he died pretty quick after somebody slit his throat. I apologize and say, once I get seventh level spells, I can resurrect him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, uh, so I say, Nicholas, is this your friend? Uh, Nicholas kind of, uh, looks a little sick actually. Uh-huh. Um, and he goes, yeah, that's rappy. All right. Uh, man, what a way to go. I pick up the the cloth and I say, "It looks like those the the sister was here." Yeah, that's the same cloth. Um, and I'll, I'll also say, especially now that you're kind of investigating him a little bit, um, you can see that Rappy's uh, got um, uh, burn marks on his wrists. 
uh, that looked like he was tied up. Um, it, it looks mm. like somebody uh, had Rappy here for some time and then killed him. Ooh. Um, and in this moment, all three, all four of you, I guess, with Nicholas, uh, you hear a, a loud sort of booming noise coming from outside. Um, and the booming noise um, uh, is, is, a, is like a loud clap, not like an explosion, uh, like a loud clap, like, um, uh, well, like somebody um, coughing, actually, but oh. into like a, like a, a super loud cough. Um, and then you hear like a, uh, are you in there? We know you're in there. We know that you're armed. Uh, this is the town garden. You will come out with your hands up. And that's where we're going to end for today. (laughs) Oh, Oh, no! We've been set up! Um. Uh. So that's that's the the end of this particular campaign in a, a solid cliffhanger. I hope. Yeah, cliffhangers and mysteries. Not not the overall campaign. The, yeah. the end of today's. Yeah. yeah. Wow. All right. Wow. Well, listeners, I hope you're you're following and enjoying the uh, the storytelling magic of 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 Adam Johns. Some emotionally I feel so charged. So guilty uh, right now. Because you. <laughs> we were... could have been there. That's true. If we didn't go to the either oh, of those temples, right, right? Yeah, it was very emotionally charged day for uh, Thrain. Or they saw us coming and killed killed Maybe. him as we were. I, I think it was. A I, I'm taking personal responsibility. Yeah. for everything that happened. I think we were set up because, like, anyways, yeah. <laughs> yeah, now sucks. it's getting personal. Yeah. yeah, it's like sad. Yeah, but that explains why they were so into me. <laughs> yeah. Into Grolo. Well, Lord Blankmere was also. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. So they're like, but I feel like Blankmere was, well, who knows? But he so, might have been more academic. But uh, no, he obviously made up shit that wasn't real. Unless someone like here, we discovered. That. Have you guys ever seen the movie Superman, where he has that like uh, that booth in the Fortress of Solitude? Yeah, and then he like reverses the polarity in the booth. Are, are you asking me? What if? Wait, wait, hold on, hold on. Are you asking <laughs> us if we've seen the movie Superman? It was, it was a setup for the next part. And by, by the way, it's Superman two that you're. Thank you. I'm, I'm glad I don't remember that much. Okay. About the various. Oh my god. Uh, the various <laughs> Superman. Uh, um, Reeves Superman's least. The. Um, what if we got a truth booth right. and we reverse the polarity Superman right. two style? Right. And we got to expose Blanc mirrors right. with the, with a light. Oh. Right. Superman 2. Well, this is the thing style. that that Grollo in all his silliness um you know, he does sometimes think clearly. <laughs> and so he's like that the booth was like for finding out if someone's lying. Well, I mean, why don't we just like, you know, yeah. one, one a, plus two. It's a good idea. <laughs> That's three. Yeah. yeah. That makes sense. I like that idea. Actually, that was entirely unintended. So. <laughs> I did the whole thing with the truth booth that was, that was like totally not <laughs> intended. The, 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 the question is like, does the truth booth function from the top? Is it like a circle? Like where is the, what makes the truth booth the truth booth? And can you move it? I have to go to the research. Do a can, little yeah. Research. Can we like take it with yeah. us and then op- hold it horizontally? Horizontally, and then like, like affect affect him, yeah. horizontally, or yeah. call him out and make him come down to the docks, and you know, and you yeah, know, we're gonna have an- to kick, answer hatch some sort of plan, answer some questions, and you know, yeah. obviously, a team style. We, we <laughs> help. We also. <laughs> Does that make you Mr. T? <laughs> uh, oh yeah, I guess it would make. I'll put it the fool. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, that's true. And I'm afraid <laughs> it of makes, flying. It makes you face. And it, I think true. it makes you the, um, the, the leader guy. I Hannibal. think you're Hannibal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're definitely face. And then we, oh. And Nicholas is no, Nicholas, Nicholas is, is Murdoch. Well, no, no. Oh, okay. You're right. Yes. Because yeah. I was going to say, though, oh, Murdoch is ship. a pilot. Yeah. yeah. He does have And ship. wacky. So, I mean. Yeah. Shush is kind of, but then we don't have a face. We yeah, need that's a face. True. No, I think is not a face. I think Shush is the face. No, I think that yeah. works better. Yes, he's yeah. this charming yes. one. Yes. Have you Your watched face. a lot of Eighteen? Man? I have <laughs> literally never watched. <laughs> what? Oh my god! Oh my I god. was like, I was. You like, were so, too young. So I mean, how old are you? Episode, how old are you now? I'm 15. <laughs> and how old are you, Adam? <laughs> I'm 122. I think it was. <laughs> so in every episode of the A Team. There's some big struggle. The A team is this these four ex special forces, you know, but they they got wrongly accused of a crime they didn't commit, so they're on the on the lam, right, mm. from the government. But they're super skilled and trained and all this stuff. And every episode they go to some little town and there's some big problem happening with some rogue bad guys. Like and Grumsh. Some, like Grumsh. Exactly. Mm. It, 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 this is D and D, but in a like eighties uh, <laughs> style, right? Yeah. And so they have There's to, often a pretty girl that's definitely face, a pretty girl. Yeah. The face man. <laughs> and they, and so they always have to like solve this. But one of the things they do in every episode is at some point they're locked away in some place and they gotta like MacGyver themselves some sort of contraption that's gonna help them take on all the baddies. Because they're always outnumbered. Mm. So they usually build like they grab a crane and they attach some parts and some metal and some spikes yeah. and then they burst out of the barn and then you know it was like montage music <laughs> yeah, yeah. total play, montage it plays the A team theme yeah, yeah. so um, the uh, my wife's name is Alyssa and so both of our names start with A so when we walked out after we were married and we walked out onto the floor we played the A team oh my god that's, <laughs> yeah. that's pretty great <laughs> We, my wife and I walked out to that song that they introduced basketball players to. Y'all ready for this? Oh. <laughs> so, so therefore, we're going to have to A-team mm. a contraption with the booth and then, you know, save the town for the... <laughs> That's exactly what we need. And we can get that cart involved like their van. <laughs> That's right. right. That's right. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. I, I do cart. have a friend who works at the, at the, the booth now. That's that's true. That's true. Oh my god! His this name is, is Spencer, uh, I think. I love it when a plan comes together. <laughs> I don't right. know if I should tell you his name, or you, you should just remember. I'll have to re-listen. To that's episode. wrong. Um, not Spencer. But, <laughs> but I like the idea that you're going to try to call I'm him Spencer. Go Spencery. Spiragnu. All right, well, that does it for that episode of Psychology in Seattle. Thanks for joining us out there. Stay tuned for episode number five of this adventure, and please take care of yourself because you deserve it.